Thank you for visiting ChristopherMedia.net. Christopher Media, let's make some noise. From Asmacore Studios near Detroit, Michigan, it's Unregimented. Gangsters, what's up, guys? And now, here are your hosts. Howdy. Number 201. I'm Chris. I'm Aaron. I'm Rich. Welcome back, everyone. Yeah. I guess my my prediction for last week wasn't accurate. What was that? Well, I said that Trump was going to pull the rug on the Dreamers on Friday as to try mm-hmm. and bury the news in, you know, hurricane shit and whatnot. But uh no, he actually didn't. And what was even weirder well, I guess it isn't that weird, but he didn't seem like he wanted to. Like the only reason that he was the only reason he was he was dealing with this as an issue was a threat of lawsuit. Because what he ended up putting in place was a uh Basically, a six-month plan for Congress to hopefully get something together to protect these people who are in this country. Yeah, what was this tweet that Congress, hey, you got some work to do, and this is one of the things? Yeah, which is not on anybody, any Republican's agenda, for sure. They're trying to figure out how they're going to pull off the the miracle of major tax reform in the next Six, yeah. not even six months. I mean, like, yeah, if you're have, a hardcore Trump supporter, he went rogue on you this week. He kind, yeah, he. That's interesting. He's agreeing with Chuck Schumer. I'm wondering where his poll numbers are going to go from here. Yeah, he's, he's letting immigrants stay. He well, he did say that you know basically it was kind of a blame shifting because with the understanding of his ass was on the line because he didn't. Well, not his ass is on the line, but he really needs all the support he can get right now. And having Republican senators and, and representatives sue him over this is not a good look right now. He needs those guys' support. So, but he was able to shift it onto, uh, onto Congress and say, well, this is in your hands. If you don't do anything about this in the next six months... Then it's just going to go away. So basically, yeah, making him the fall guy. Like, hey, it's going away. Unle- Figure it out. Right. Right. So th- that on, yeah, he was he was saying nice things about uh, Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi. Best, uh, <laughs> and somewhere a liberal exploded. <laughs> right. Somewhere on the Berkeley campus, somebody had a heart attack and died. I mean, he was... It seemed like he was being nicer to Schumer and Pelosi than he was just about any Republican that I can think of recently. Was he spotted at all this week in a goatee? <laughs> this, like, is the, this is the evil twin. Bizarro Donald. Trump. Yeah. The good twin. This is, yeah. We had the, the evil it would, twin. It would, still have the, yeah, it would still have the goatee. You know, it would be good. So, well, I don't know. Do uh, you guys want to talk talk about uh, the what's the program called? The Dreamers, um, DACA. I keep wanting to call it DARPA. <laughs> I'm like, no, that's something completely different. <laughs> because uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just a, I'm trumped out, quite honestly. But I do think it sucks that I mean, these kids were brought over here by their parents. They didn't have a choice in the matter. Really? Like, why do they got to pay for the sins of their parents? 
just fucking yeah. give Social Security numbers, start taking their tax money. And I don't, I don't understand what the Republicans hard on for for the Dreamers is, because I mean, what's the harm here? I mean, I, they bring their families over here. Well, that's it? kind of the point, dipshit. I think it was. Uh, I think it was Sessions, not just, if I'm not mistaken, that was was talking about how there's uh, it was over two thousand of the the dreamers as they as they are referred to the, the the people who were brought here as kids illegally and had no they didn't have any free will of their own to to come illegally into the country so it's kind of a forgiveness for them but so. According to, uh, I believe again it was Sessions, but there are two thousand of these dreamers that were that had some sort of criminal record, and this this idea of of what consists of a criminal record tends to shift depending on who you're talking about, though. And this could be some you know kid getting pulled over with a, a dime bag of weed. Or something stupid, you know, doing norm, normal shit that teenage kids do. They're being American kids, and they sometimes they're getting into trouble. But if you do the math on it, so there's an estimated eight hundred thousand dreamers in the country, and two thousand of them have criminal records. That is point two percent. Point two percent. Of the dreamers have a criminal record, which is probably a way higher average than your typical American citizen. Wow! Wait a minute. So, see the <clears throat> excuse me, the propaganda I've been seeing, and I don't mean that in a negative light. I'm just saying it's propaganda, and yeah. it, it's just what it is. It's 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 pushing an agenda. The word propaganda has gotten a um, bad rap. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Well, once you once Hitler had a minister of propaganda, it kind of went downhill <laughs> yeah, it was from probably there. Probably started to go down. <laughs> it, it's it's kind of like it's kind of like the Charlie Chaplin mustache. Hitler right, ruined it for everybody. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. So, but no, the uh, Will Donnelly tweeted out, and I'm not sure who Will Donnelly is, but somehow he's connected to uh, uh, U.S. Democratic Socialists, et cetera, et cetera, Page Party, and all that stuff. He said the average uh, DACA recipient is 26 and came to the U.S. at age 6. 91% are employed. 100% have no criminal record. They pay 500 to renew every two years. Right. So that equals $800 million. But if it's 100% have no criminal record, and he titled his tweet, Facts Do Matter, well, that's kind of an issue right there. And... I don't see how it could be a hundred percent. You're telling me that yeah, that's, none, not a single one of the what are words are, you're always supposed to avoid? Always and never. Hundred percent falls in the category of always or never. Yeah, right, because like it could be used to negate your whole argument. You find one wrong fact, and you're like, "Well, how can you trust anything this person has to say?" Exactly, and I mean, when you title you you know your tweet, facts do matter, and then you state. A flat out, I won't say lie. I'll say incorrect fact. I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't know if he made this. He could have pulled it out of his ass. He could have read it somewhere else, and he's just passing on bad info. Whatever. 
But yeah, I mean, that, that makes you look kind of bad. Because I'm going to be honest with you, I had no idea about any of this before all this shit come up. So I had to do a little bit of digging in it. And it seemed to me that most of these people that fall under the, this act are in tech jobs. Well, At least a lot of them are. That's the thing, you know... Uh, I, I think it's not like these are landscapers and shit. You know what I'm saying? I mean, this isn't the the it's people. the people that are crossing the border bringing drugs and rape with them and all that shit that Trump said. Right. Which even that isn't true. But uh, yeah. So, well, so what's the, you know. what's the deal? Why are if Trump? You know he he ran partially on on rescinding DACA. Yeah, that was one of his. I don't. It wasn't. I don't know if it was a platform issue because he said so much shit during the the campaign. Exactly. But he definitely said that you know, and basically anything that Obama did, you could just go down the list of all of Obama's accomplishments, and he ran on undoing all of that. And that's his only real concern still. But when it came to this issue. Donald had a little bit of heart. And it's a tiny black heart. <laughs> it's always like right. the Grinch's it's like the Grinch's heart. It's well, tiny and yellow around it. I think I think what happened here is this was uh, an this was an issue that like hardcore GOP Republicans were were used to using as a wedge and never really looked at it from just a humanist point of view. And I, I don't want to give him too much credit here, but I think honestly that Trump did because Republicans use it as, as a way to stoke the fears of their voters. Tell them, look, if you vote Democrat, they're going to let all kinds of crazy people into this country. And we're trying to keep you guys safe. And that's a lot of what Donald Trump was doing. But I think he's realized that you can still vilify blacks, Mexicans, anybody from any other country. You can still hate on all those groups, build your wall, close off the borders, and still have some sympathy for kids who are already in this country. The the line with Trump is kids. Well, probably because he has some. He might not know all their names. But he has some. Right. Well, you know, the, the fact of the matter is, is that if you really did care about what happens to kids who are brought into this country illegally uh, when they are still minors, if you care about them, you should want this written into the immigration policy. You should want this to be written into the law and not just a legally sketchy presidential decree because it's so easy to undo it. And you don't want this to be the type of thing that goes back and forth. We get a Republican in office and he rescinds it. And then we get a Democrat in office and he puts it back in place. This is not something that should be battled over with... Uh, with uh, uh, um, oh, shit. <laughs> What do they call the things that Donald always signs and holds up and smiles? Executive, executive orders. orders. Right. This shouldn't be executive order tennis on this. Like, let's get it into our immig- actual immigration policy. I mean, definitely you could argue that this is not the the right time to try and write our, any kind of immigration policy because I think we kind of know where that will go. But I don't know. I Again, I don't want to, like, 
sound like I'm defending Trump because I still believe he's a buffoon. But the the shit that he got over uh, over DACA and over the hurricane was just ridiculous and baseless nonsense. That one fucking uh, tweet that you shared, Rich, was hilarious. What the, about the hurricanes oh. and little white girl? No, the. No, uh, <laughs> we know which one Aaron likes. <laughs> yeah. We'll get to that, that one. Well, let me explain it real quick. It's a picture of a of a very um, uh, petite white girl sitting on the couch, and there's three rather, rather large uh, men of African descent behind her, and she has the southeastern United States. Like uh, across her, yeah, and it says the three gentlemen behind her are named Harvey, Irma, and Jose, right. and they're standing in their underwear. You yeah. can guess where this movie goes from there. <laughs> right. no. Fuck some shit up. <laughs> Actually, the, the only the only thing that could have made that mean better is a Brazzers logo <laughs> in the bottom corner. But uh, no, the the other one, the screenshot of uh, when uh, Hurricane Harvey. When he said, you know, he urged everybody in uh, Harvey's path to get, you know, to, what was it? Pretty much say, hey, get out of the way. Go, seek safety. You know? Yeah. And uh, some, somebody said, why should we believe you? You're a lying bigot or something. Oh. <laughs> he said, I encourage everyone in the path of Hurricane Harvey to heed the advice and orders of their local and state officials. And somebody who as far as Donald's tweets a go, child said, we take the... Why should why should we take the advice of a bigot and a racist? And at that point, I'm like, Th- then die, then stay yeah. there, and stay, then die. Learn to I, swim, motherfucker. Right. But, I mean, it, and as far as Donald Trump's tweets go, that's downright rational. Well, I but, doubt he even tweeted that. I know, right? Well, yeah. yeah. Well, but right. I mean, this idea that I, I understand. I hate him as much as the next person who is anti-Trump, but. <laughs> To it simply attack everything that is said because of the mouth that it's coming out of or the Twitter account that it's coming from is not a strategy for any kind of success or trying to convince anybody, trying to win anybody over to your side. It's You're just an attack dog. You're just... These are, these are people who have notifications for when Trump tweets... So they can be first to tell them to fuck off. And I appreciate that energy. I think if any president deserves it, it's this one. But it's not a good strategy for anything other than maybe making yourself feel better once a day when you get to tell them to fuck off. It was a line for me with with the Trump uh, haters that I now put them into the same category with with, okay, I get it, you don't like sports. I put them in there with those people. Right. Right, I haven't opened up Twitter since I heard the news about him saying nice things about uh, Schumer and Pelosi, but I, I can't wait to hear all the nonsense about how Pelosi's lost her mind now because she's working with Trump to try and get something done. You know, that was the other thing that they were that Trump was agreeing with the Democrats on. This is kind of a bigger issue: the debt ceiling. The debt ceiling is consistently a uh, a party divisive issue. It's Republicans want to see the debt steal- ceiling stay the same or 
more likely lower, whereas Democrats realize that sometimes you have to accrue more debt to get the things that you want to get done in your country. Now, well, he's a businessman. He should get that. Did, f- fuck yeah, that's why he's with him. He's like, hey, sometimes you're going to have to. His whole business is based on accruing debt. Yes. That's why he doesn't want, <laughs> he doesn't want anyone to see how most of his properties and businesses are underwater. That's why he doesn't want people to see his tax returns. Not because of Russia is going to be all over. May it. literally be after this weekend. Right, yeah. Right. So, uh, I think there's liberals on Instagram uh, with guns in their mouths, finding out that Trump, you know, agreed with Pelosi, supported her. Kind of turns their whole world upside down. Uh, yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like anybody who even partially agrees with with Trump on anything is going to be criticized. It's because we're all or nothing, baby. That's how we are now. Well, I'm not, it's how it is now. Look, this is a mistake the Republicans made. They fought everything that Obama did for eight years, tooth and nail, even when he was right, even when he was doing things that if it was a white president, they would have found consensus on. And it didn't necessarily do them any favors. I mean, certainly they have the majority and they have the presidency. There's no arguing that. But what they're doing with it is absolutely fucking nothing. Because they spent all their time basing everything off of not Obama. Real quick, I just want to ask a question um, about what you said just now. Uh, do you, I mean, do you honestly believe it was due to Obama's race that they were so hard on him? Like, I'm talking Republicans as a whole. And I'm talking Republican politicians, not Republicans who are out of the political system, like private citizens. Um, um Ma- no. Maybe some of them. I think that it was, I mean, it, it was that Obama was a Democrat first and he was also black because. It's not like they would have agreed with a lot of things that Ob- a lot of Obama's policies if he was white. It's the way that they disagreed that showed their racism. Well, the reason I ask is because I did, excuse me, I did hear a fairly convincing case that, I, God, I forget this guy's name every time. I know that he, I, or I know he used to be employed at InfoWars. He's a British guy. He's got three names. I cannot remember his name. Saved my life. Anyways, about, you know, people attacking Trump, et cetera, et cetera. And the, the right is claiming, oh, we've never had a president be attacked like this. Uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then he said, the left said the same thing about Obama. He goes, can I point out two presidents who got it way worse than Trump has so far? And Obama did in eight years. Clinton, Nixon, both were impeached. One one had to resign, and the other was it was an eight year witch hunt to get him out of office. Right, you know. And he goes, and if you want to go back further, uh, JFK got his head blown off. Usually, people that kill somebody don't do it because they agree with them. You know, so conspiracy theories aside, if it happened like we're taught in the history books, obviously it wasn't because fucking Lee Harvey Oswald was a supporter of Kennedy and loved the man. So, I mean, it's like, 
like I, I get it, and I, I, I kind of it made me question. It's like, is this now we're looking? If you support a president, do we look for anything to be like, like okay, oh Trump supporters, which I can't imagine being. I'm just gonna have to take a guess at, like oh you don't like him because he's a political outsider because he shoots from the hip because he's not polished. He's not a fucking teleprompter president. Right. Those type things. You know, if you support Obama, it's because he's black. It's because, you know, you can't stand it. It's shaking up the system. Okay, well, what about Bush? Well, Bush was an idiot, blah, blah, blah. Clinton. Well, Clinton's a rapist. I mean, all these things are, I mean, basically, if you, you know, going back to, to let's just start with Clinton. They flat out called him a rapist constantly in his time in office. Right. They called Bush a flat out war criminal. Yeah. You know, they called Obama, the uh, Obama un-American, not even American, not even legally able to hold the office. And at best, I would say the best criticism that goes light on Trump is that he's unhinged. At worst, he is a dictator in waiting. So I, I, I just, you know, all the criticism towards Trump and, and, and anything he says is stupid. Yes, it is dumb. I don't care who you are. You you will make a right decision, even if you stumble into it a few times in your life. No matter if you're a complete fuck up and horrible human right. being. Right, but that that was kind of the point that I was getting to, though, was that where it, if Democrats are going to get criticized for working with Trump when he does happen to be right, then you're going to end up with the same you know if we if we get a democrat into the presidency and we have democratic majority in the house and it's achieved through being anti-trump as your platform then you'll have nothing to actually legislate on even if you have a quote unquote mandate from that from the people what does what is that mandate Okay, the mandate was we don't like Trump. Okay, he's gone now. Now what? That's what the Republicans did. They're, they ran on mandates of not Trump, or I mean not Obama, and when Obama was gone, they didn't know what to do except for fight with each other. And that's the same situation that you're going to end up with. You have to understand that <laughs> that is what we put these people into office for, is to find compromise when you can. If if Trump wants to, you know, if Trump wants to actually do something positive and the, the Democrats want to work with him on it, I think that we should praise him, honestly, because we know that Trump is kind of easily controlled with praise. If he gets, if his poll numbers actually go up because of him working with Schumer and Pelosi, he might be more likely to continue to do that. He might be more likely to listen to these Democrats. Who knows? Maybe I'm well, may, have, maybe I'm being idealistic. I mean, I, but we there is an established pattern that does support your theory that he you speak well of him, and that's he bases his opinion on people of what they on their opinion of right. him. And I mean, if you speak well of him in one aspect, that might be enough to get him to kind of, you know, oh, okay, lighten up a little bit. Right. Because let's be honest, there's a lot of people in the Republican Party who do not like Trump, do not want him in there. Certainly. 
want him to crash and burn either just as much or more than the Democrats They voted party line because they were sure he would crash and burn and they'd end up with President Pence and they were okay with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I I just I think it's silly. I think it's silly to have such a fucking adversarial outlook towards anyone who doesn't have the same number or number letter by their name as the party you support that you just this person's infallible. This person's pure evil. There's and and no matter what they do, it's just going to be this way. And really, I'm trying my best because like last week, like I like. I, I kind of snapped a little bit on the show. I'm really trying my best to realize that these are just the vocal minorities that are like that. Right. Most people are in the middle, mm-hmm. are perfectly fine keeping their opinion to themselves, do not feel the need to shove anything down anyone else's throat, or they're completely just don't give a fuck. Right. There's a whole lot of that in this country. Right. I think it, it, as much as we understand this it's hard not to fall into that trap of reading two or three tweets or Facebook posts and going, Oh my God, this is what they think. This is what this whole group of people are saying. No, these are, these are douchebags with megaphones. That's all. They're just shouting out other people. Even, even some of the, even some of the Facebook uh, pages and groups that I've, I've seen some of the more insane stuff come from, you know, I look at the membership and for Facebook, it's impressive. I mean, right. it's in you know, it's forty-five thousand people, but forty-five thousand people in this country—it's a drop in the bucket. Right. And well, that's that. And these are forty-five thousand who either joined the group out of morbid curiosity to see what was being said, which is kind of what I've done with a lot of them, or bought. or super motivated. Because most people are just like, I ain't fuck that. I'm not going to go into that group. That group's going to be a clusterfuck yeah. or or a bot. Yes, yes. There's that also. Well, I'll, yeah. There's also the fact that you know I, most things, especially when it comes to Twitter. Twitter is designed to be dashed off thoughts. You know, oh, I thought of this. I'll type it into my phone real quick, and everybody can read it. I mean, are there people who sit down and go through, you know, do a whole thread? And talk about shit that is, you know, well knowledge, well researched and knowledgeable, and 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 actually interesting. Yeah, it does happen, but that's like one percent. Most of this is like I saw something on TV and I'm mad, so I'm going to tweet about it. <laughs> and that's fine, you know. Somebody says, "Here's a good reason for impeaching Trump," and I go, "Yeah, I agree with you," but it, a representative says. Here's why we need to start impeachment process for Trump. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? If it comes to that, I hope that you have the balls to stand up then and say, we need to impeach this president. If it comes to us finding evidence of a crime or or if it just becomes so corrosive that there's no point in even having him there. I mean, that was why Nixon left office. It wasn't because everybody else wanted him gone it's because the it's because republicans understood that with him in office they will never get anything done and probably end up losing their jobs if they support him well okay so the hurricanes another perfect example of this you know it, is trump an idiot yes does he know how to load boxes onto a truck clearly not but who the fuck thought he would i mean you, you think this is a man who is 
ever. He doesn't even roll up his sleeves for photo ops. You know, rich guys Obama, pay people to put boxes on. Trucks. Obama and Bush and Clinton, they all knew that when they had to do a photo op out with the people, when some shit went down, they literally rolled up their sleeves because that was the sign of I'm here to get shit done. Let's work. I'm just like you. Right. I roll my well, sleeves up. It was up. complete bullshit. Well, but look, I mean. Well, especially, especially after Bush one couldn't tell you how much a gallon of milk costs when he went to the <laughs> supermarket. Right. That was pretty. I rolled my sleeves like, up on my $1,000 shirt just like everybody else. I, so it's the, it's, the, it's the equivalent of Nino Brown giving out uh, turkeys at Thanksgiving. Right. But the, the idea that, uh, that, I don't know, that. It was just interesting interesting to me the way the hurricane was politicized because I mean sure you can go you can you can make fun of people who are climate change deniers and you can certainly uh, with accuracy criticize Trump for having no concern over the environment certainly in his policies but I, I don't understand what your major point is here. Because unless you think that what Trump has done in the last seven months has caused this hurricane to be bigger than it should have been, that's that's just you're not, insane. Yeah. yeah, I mean, please don't have children. <laughs> right. So, is it just Trump, or are you going to criticize every president that came before him about not doing anything about climate change? Yeah. I mean, we've been talking this shit since the 70s and nobody's really done anything about it. I, like, we've in fact made the cars bigger to use more gasoline out and of, more oil. Pulling out of the Paris Accord was a big mistake. <laughs> and not just because of what the U.S. could possibly do to turn the tide of climate change in the world, but also just for our political standing in the world, for our ability to work with other nations. But... <laughs> it, it didn't cause Hurricane Irma. Hurricanes aren't a new thing. Well, it didn't cause anything. I mean, it's not really provable whether this hurricane or that hurricane would be bigger or smaller if we did different things with with controlling emissions or what have you. <coughs> And I understand if that's your issue, but I, I think it's it's the same group of people that no matter what happens, Trump is going to be at fault for it. Well, it's not just the people who want to blame Trump. It's the opportunists come out of the woodwork to attach some sort of significance from the hurricane to their pet issue. Right. The hardcore Christians that I am friends with a whole lot posted about the eclipse happened, and then the hurricane happened. Read this passage in the Bible, and it was predicted, and it's prophecy. And oh then there's the, you know, uh, you know uh, what? We all know how we all feel about that. And then there's, <laughs> and then there's, of course, the Trump people. You know, oh, nice job for you know, to still deny climate change. And there's the climate change people who I think have the most probably legitimate beef or not beef but but connection which is <clears throat> is anybody taking a look at the fact that we not only have a hurricane that slammed in the fucking 
Texas, but we now have a hurricane heading towards Puerto Rico, Cuba, and South Florida, the size of Texas, plus a third one coming. Like, this is unprecedented. Right, while the other side of the country is on fire. Yeah, I mean, this is unprecedented in recorded history of this country. And, you know, yes, I, I, I do believe in climate change. I'm sorry, I, I, I take, I take, I put my trust in science over a book that was written supposedly 2,000 years ago or more, depending on what, if you're, if you're pulling from the, the Jewish book of fairy tales or the revised book of Jewish fairy tales. Um, I, and I mean, I, I'm not blaming it. And then, oh, the flat earthers come out. That one was good. I'm not even going to give them the fucking <laughs> satisfaction of mentioning the theories that I heard about that. But I mean, like I said, it's just opportunists coming out and they're like, oh, this is something I can attach to my pet issue. Like, right. I'm really surprised that I haven't seen, like, the anti-vaxxers come out and say, see, this is what happens when you vaccinate your kids. Hurricanes, you know? It's like... and it, I mean, and it's, it's really all it is. I mean, if we want to get down to what we can prove to the best of our ability is that it's, it's, it's really bad luck in the weather patterns mixed with We've been pumping shit into the fucking air of this on this planet for 200, what, plus years now that has accelerated right. the change in climate that would normally happen. Well, the, and this is the end result of as it. As humans, we've been doing this. The, we've been doing the same thing, and it just keeps upping in scale, right? We gather together and form a society and we have a lake nearby and we all shit in it right and then everybody gets sick and half the population dies and we go what the fuck's going on we're like oh it's because we're shitting in our water supply okay well we learn to grow up and 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 say let's not shit directly into our water supply let's find a way to clean it let's get a clean source of water and have a separate uh water to water source to take our our waste away And you keep going as you as your society gets bigger and bigger. You keep we keep thinking as as people like you know just like when they were shitting the lake. What's it going to do? The lake's big. The fish shit in it. You know the lake is so big. There's no way that we could shit up the whole lake. Well, you can. Yeah, you can shit up the whole lake. And you can shit up the whole ocean. You can shit up all the air. Like anything that can happen at a micro on a micro level can happen on a macro level. The same physics apply to the whole fucking world and universe. So a debate over climate change and whether it's man-made is the same as as debating evolution versus creationism. If you don't understand that the things that you do, even as an individual person, just to affect the environment around you, then you have no basis in science whatsoever. It, well, you get a lot of people who, who, who hear, we're going to destroy this planet, and they take it as, like, okay, that, that's, like, that's like calling a Native American an Indian. It's a misnomer. Right. We're not going to destroy the planet. The planet's going to be here. Yeah. We're yeah, going until, to, until the sun goes supernova. Yeah, we're go- okay, we're going we're- to ruin our chances of living happy and healthily on this planet. That's what exactly. we really should be talking about. 
Yeah. Let's save the unless planet. we want to be Venus. Unless we want to be Venus version 2.0, yeah, we better start coming up with some solutions. Right. Or we better start looking at other places to go live. We're like st- we're like fleas running around with signs that say "Save the dog." Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. The dog's like, "What the fuck are you talking about? You're just fleas. You might, you know, you might fuck up my skin a little bit, but I ain't dying because of you fuckers." And I'll be here long after you've died. Right. We will go the way of the fucking dinosaurs, and then something else will spring up that can be supported by the planet. Right. So I, I mean, so you, 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 when you when people you get to people who hear that and they're like, but they take it. <clears throat> excuse me. They take it literally. You know, like, oh my God, we're going to ruin. You know, we're not ruin. Would actually be a better way to describe it. Ruin this planet for humans. That would be for for human survival. That would be a better way to describe it and say we're going to destroy the planet. But you know, it, once again, it, is it going to is, is Earth, it going to turn the lost it, city is, of Atlantis? Is it going to turn into like you know Cormac McCarthy's The Road within the next ten years? No. Right. Give give it one hundred and fifty at this rate. Eh, there might be parts of the world that look a lot like that that book and movie. You know. So how far are we from the Road Warriors? My question. Uh, you just have to go to Australia. That's once you get out of Sydney, that is Australia. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's at least that's what Mel Gibson is has just convinced me because you got to be crazy to live in Australia. <laughs> they got spiders that eat birds. Fuck that, you know. I'm not living there. Damn. But yeah, it, 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 the politicizing of it outside of climate change is hilarious. Because you're right, and it's not like Trump is... First of all, Trump ain't been in office long enough to do... He can't get shit done, all right? Trump is like a room full of lesbians his first eight months. He ain't done dick, all right? It don't fucking matter. But how many presidents have been in office since since scientists have been like, uh, someone might want to take a look at this info that we have because we've been studying this, and this doesn't look good for the long-term out, you know, projection here. One right. guy in the seventies paid attention. Well, and he and he only got one term. Right. If you believe that, you know, Trump is fucking up in some way. Like, you know, th- he's not doing good enough on 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 providing support to hurricane victims or whatnot. You know, if if that's your beef, then start promoting organizations who can help. Start getting together something. You know, find a way that you can actually fill in that void. That's left by government because government isn't supposed to be covering everything. You know, there's there's things that we want our government to do for us, that we need our government to do for us. And there's other things that are actually handled better by private citizens getting together and figuring out ways to help other people. But to... You know, to I don't know. I had another example in my mind, but I, I can't remember it. They, well, I think I think it's interesting that people make jokes. I think we've all seen it. Um, the one I just saw right before we went on air was uh, a meme of Trump uh, sitting at a computer, and someone had superimposed on the screen Google and says, "How do you nuke a hurricane?" <laughs> you know, we've all you know we've all seen jokes about you know. Trump and his handling of, right. of the situation. Oh, I, I remember. But what that's what they are. They're jokes. Yeah, but we're not taking. Well, that's the, guys, we don't take that seriously. We don't think he's going to drop a nuke on a hurricane. Okay. Right. So, 
We don't have the technology yet. He's looking into it, though. <laughs> He's got the money for it. So what were you going to say, Aaron, before you forget it again? Well, I don't know. I mean, it's, it, I don't know. Let, let's move off the hurricane shit. Okay. All right. Yeah, right over there? Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm, it's a uh, bad season for the asthma. Ah. I keep getting shorter breath. I'm just going to drink some more coffee, and I'm going to be okay. <laughs> right on. Not trying to be a smart ass, but is, is that literally how that works? Like, caffeine helps? Oh, yeah. Well, cigarettes will oh, help, okay. too. Anything, any kind of stimulant will um, kind of break shit up. Yeah, you, you have to realize that by you saying cigarettes would help with your asthma, that sounds counterintuitive as fuck. Well, long, long <laughs> term, long term, no. Can I stimulate? Hey, asthma's acting up. I got to go get an eight ball, guys. I'll be right back. No, don't say that. I, I have friends that might start doing that. <laughs> <laughs> All of a sudden, they got the worst case of asthma ever. It's my medicine. Asthma's <laughs> acting up. It's, it's at least a teener's worth. It's medicinal cocaina. <laughs> well, what other disasters are going on in the world? <laughs> yeah. The movie industry. That's it. Oh yeah, I, yeah. I uh, read some of that article about who was it that that was quoted as blaming Rotten Tomatoes for the the poor box office turnout. Some fool. Like oh god. It doesn't matter. The guy's an idiot. And. Like these, these have not been great movies that have come out this summer. I mean, no. And word of mouth spreads like it is fucking. I mean, it's. I can't even think of something to compare it to as far as how quick it spreads now like because wildfire? of technology. Like wildfires in the Northwest. Yeah. Topical. Well, I think that's that's it too. I mean. If you're going to blame Rotten Tomatoes, are you going to blame all the people, too? Are you going to just start going after individuals who are talking shit about your movies on social media? You're going to get all Jane, Silent Bob, hunt every person down, go door to door. I mean... Did you say Jane, and Silent Bob are fucking clown shoes, fucked them, and they're stupid asses? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Are you Magnolia fan? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Seen that movie way too many times. Even the the movies that I went and saw and enjoyed were not great movies. I mean, Guardians of the Galaxy was really fun. Wonder Woman was really fun. Neither of them are great movies. Neither of them are going to be like, I'm going to watch this once a year as a tradition as this movie is so amazing. And there's plenty of movies <laughs> that I've seen numerous, numerous times because I think they are great films. And yeah, okay, so a great film maybe only comes around you know, on, on the rare occasion, you're not going to get a summer, uh, you know, a huge uh, movie that everybody goes to see each summer. But it's interesting that you know we're, we're, there's criticism of the movie industry, and then there's criticism of superhero movies within the movie industry. And I'm like, are you kidding? Like superhero movies are the only thing propping up your fucking ridiculous industry. All these like directors and actors that are talking about how they would never do this. And this is what's wrong with, with the movie industry. And this is why, you know, decent pictures have less of a chance of being made. Like (laughs) a rising tide raises all ships, right? Isn't that what they say? And, if you have a 
if you have a healthy industry that produces great pieces of art that challenge people, that make them want to go see the movie over and over again and recommend it to their friends, then you'll just have this built-in system of of customers that are consistently going to the movies because they want to be part of that. They want to see what you know what's going to be the next crazy movie. What's going to be the next one that that uh, you know, the next movie that's like super interesting or, or challenging even, or just deeply emotional. And if you're only concerned about, well, we know based on this formula with these actors in it and this director and these beats all based around three acts that all resolves nicely, uh, we know that we can expect to make this much money off of it. If that's how you're making movies, well, yeah, it doesn't matter how many flashy uh, superhero costumes or big explosions or crazy effects or weird twists you can put in there. People are eventually going to see through it. But the irony is, is that the movie studios may not be made. Okay, how do I put this? There's less chances taken in Hollywood, right. but because there's less chances taken in Hollywood, there's less chance of that five million dollar indie movie being a breakout, make thirty, forty million, and you know kicks off a feeding frenzy and all the smaller, you know, Sundance, whatever the fuck, you know, smaller movie, you know, indie movie festivals. So they're not looking for the the hot new thing. The new thing is. You got these directors who put out small, almost, I, I won't say self-finance because that's like clerks and slackers. I mean, that's like people taking out as much credit as the credit card companies will let them do and making a movie and rolling the dice. But, I mean, it's, you know, very, very, you know, small amount of investors without any big investors making movies. They get a lot of buzz. It becomes a hit. And then they take these directors and they throw them behind the, the scene, you know, okay, now go direct the new Star Wars or go direct, you know, they find, this superhero movie. They find somebody who had a vision for a project that they made and then say, oh, we want you to do that for our movie, but we're also going to, you know, have two other people edit it and 20 other people help you write it. And it's all got to come and out like the, this in the end. And the irony of it is, is the movie you know, business is sitting here crying, you know, oh, this has been the worst summer since 2007 for movies, yet they're making more profits than they did on their bottom line than they did in 2007 because they're taking less chances. They don't put out the the small indie movies and throw, you know, okay, let's say they spent $3 million to make it. They're not going to throw $3 million out to... To, to promote that movie, you know, that's not going to happen these days. They're going to buy the movie. They're going to try to get some buzz going on the Internet. They're going to let it get cult status, release it in a small amount of theaters. And then if it takes off, then, okay, we can do a wider release. And then really the, the, the middle of the pack movies are gone. It's either movies that cost almost nothing for studios to buy and release or movies that are costing $150 million plus. There's no thirty to sixty million dollar movies that are made yeah. that are 
you know, yeah, like it's a big it, romantic comedy this summer. Well, I mean, it's not even romantic comedy. It's more just along the lines of like. No, I know, but that, I think that's a good example of that. Well, you know, I, yeah, the Judd, I guess the Judd Apatow would be considered like a, a romantic comedy. Like, yeah, okay. Yeah, like like them type of movies. Movies maybe thirty million is too much. Maybe it was wasn't it like the big sick? Ten, right, ten and, and twenty thirty million. Yeah, but see, but, and but this is where I'm, a, you know, that movie had. Okay, that movie was was playing on a fish out of water. Guess who's coming to dinner? In reverse, right? You know, it was we're going to follow the uh, uh, ah shit. Was he Pakistani in that movie? Yeah, I can't. Was yeah. he? Okay, we're going to follow the Pakistani lead and his family, and he's going to date a white girl and bring a white girl home, and that's going to send the family family in uproars, and comedic hijinks are going to ensue. You know, which isn't look. It it could be a great it could be a great popcorn, couple beers, laugh with your buddies, quote it. You know, a couple years from now, movie. It's no risk though, certainly but, not in this political climate. No, exactly. I mean, that's that's well, it's like eh, ho hum. Look at entertainment industry, not industries, but entertainment companies that have succeeded. At the same time, we've seen the box office numbers decline. Um. Namely, uh, Netflix, so, yeah. AMC. Um, there's others. If you're that, streaming right now. You're minting your own money. I mean, well, just with those two examples right there, Netflix and AMC. What ha- they have consistently taken chances? Are all AMC and Netflix shows like total winners? No, I but. Look, AMC took. I think people forget how much of a risk Walking Dead was. They did a zombie TV show, and they did it like it was. They produced it like it was a big budget movie. And if you think about it, they did it when When nobody gave it. Because what? uh, Shaun of the Dead came out in two thousand four, and that was pretty much between Shaun of the Dead and the remake of Dawn of the or Day of the Dead or Dawn of the Dead. That they pretty much declared that's the end of the zombie craze. Right. It can't go any further, and it was six, seven years later that The Walking Dead come out. Right, and everyone's and like, they, "Why are they, they doing zombies this? are over?" Yeah, what? What the? Yeah. Who's going to watch this? What the fuck? Like a lot of people tuned in just to go, "What the fuck is AMC thinking with this show?" But I mean, if you look at but the shows that released a couple years before it, they were big fucking risk. You had, um, Mad Men, right, and you had Breaking Bad. Right. I mean, yeah, Sopranos and Oz and The Wire had kind of set a precedent in pay TV, but this this was still commercial television, and they're like, you know, why would we want to watch a watered-down version Mm -hmm. of what we could see on HBO and get the real gritty shit, you know? And then, I mean, the same year that those two came out, you had Sons of Anarchy come out, which, I mean, okay, it turned into a male soap opera, but the first couple seasons were actually pretty damn good. You know, it it gave you some insight into a world that most people have no idea about. And and, and the one thing all these shows have in common, it played up the anti-hero angle that really kind of started with with Oz and really took off with The Sopranos. And, I mean, movies play it safe, I mean, that's how come when Pulp Fiction, think about how many movies Quentin Tarantino had wrote and so, and how many screenplays he sold after Reservoir Dogs before Pulp Fiction. 
that other people made. Natural Born Killers, Destiny Turns on the Radio, yeah, yeah. Uh, From True, Dust Till Dawn, um, True, True Romance. Romance. Thank you. <laughs> I was trying to think of that one. Uh, there's there's another one I'm forgetting. It was it was it was a fairly modest hit. But I mean, people were like, okay, we'll buy your screenplay and then we'll put our fucking Hollywood doctors in there to 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 Hollywood it up. But we're not going to let you make the movie you want to make with this screenplay. So he was like, okay, fuck it. Went and made Reservoir Dogs. And that took everybody by surprise because that's a, that's a fucking movie about a robbery you never see the robbery in. Right. That is basically you – could, you, could, you can take Reservoir Dogs and, re, and, and make that a fucking three-act, four-act play on the stage with as little, pe- as little amount of cast there was and change in scenery. Mm-hmm. And it would st- and, and it, it would work. And then he then he did Pulp Fiction, and I dare you to find any good people in Pulp Fiction. No one is without fucking sin in Pulp Fiction. Everybody's a scumbag in Pulp Fiction. That went so much against. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, the Hollywood the Hollywood idea of what an action movie has to be because it was. Remember, this was when Lethal Weapon and The Last Boy Scout and Die Hard was going. Right. Yeah, you want your gritty gonna break the law to get the bad cobra you know that type of movies gonna break the law to get the bad guy but it's it's ultimately still for the good these were just gangsters criminals and thieves like who was the good guy who was the quote-unquote good guy in pulp fiction no no, they were all pretty self-centered and i mean that you know that that kicked off you know then you had two days in the valley and you had just a bunch of imitators the, the the tarantino clones and then it's like Outside of torture porn, for a minute, the uh, the teenage horror movies, I know what you did last summer, Scream, and obviously romantic comedies, what chances were really being taken for another decade? I think the biggest the biggest chance was in 2002 with, uh, actually, you can argue, too, what, Lord of the Rings. They rolled the dice on that because that, that had been passed over so many times, multiple. Yeah. Studios had passed it over. Same studios had passed it over multiple times. That's how. That's how much that had been shopped around for so many years. And Spider Man was sa- was Sam Raimi of all people, the guy who did Evil Dead yeah. and you know Army of Darkness. That's who they were going to have do Spider Man. I mean, that'd be like if Quentin Tarantino's doing Episode Nine of Star Wars. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? I mean, at some point you expect I would, like I would see that movie. Yeah, I, I, you, I, yeah. Give me my, my lightsaber. Which one is it? The one that says "bad motherfucker." That, that one, right? There. I mean, I mean, he, he'd resurrect Mace Windu just for that scene alone. So I mean, you know, it, but I, I mean, it, it just there's there's the I hate to say this because I. It sounds like I'm fucking pumping my generation, the tail end of Generation X up. I really don't mean to. I just, I really feel this is the truth. I feel like there was a shift in Hollywood from movies being the cutting edge. Because in the 70s, if you go back and look at like Dog Day Afternoon, Serpico, oh, Deer Hunter. Yeah. That's where Godfather. your cutting edge of, of any visual entertainment was. That people were exactly. pushing boundaries of what you could do in a movie and 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 the type of stories that you can tell and even the type of people that you would feature as the lead in your movie. But I think two things happened. 
near the end of that decade that kind of set us up for the 80s. You had Rocky. Okay. <laughs> which was, you know, the classic underdog story. Right. And then they turned it to a franchise. And then you had Star Wars, which was now, oh, sci-fi sells. Because sci-fi hadn't sold really worth a shit. Well, sci-fi was a joke. I mean, it was kids will go see this movie and we're just going to put some cardboard cutouts on a wire. I mean, that's how it comes 2001. Whatever you think of the movie, I know a lot of people say it's boring, and I understand that. I can I get that because you have to remember it's it, you can't judge the movie by 2017 standards. You have to judge it and put it in its time. I guess. No one had beautiful. seen anything like that. Right, yeah. I mean, those were th- that shit Hell, hell holds up to what we're finding with probes we're sending to these planets 50 years later. You know, it's like, oh, shit, they they did their homework. And, of course, you had Arthur C. Clarke and, I mean, the ultimate, like, autistic director. Everything's got to be perfect, Stanley Kubrick. So, of course, that's how that movie turned out. Besides that, sci-fi was a fucking practice, right. it was a uh, joke. He already had the practice faking the moon landing. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> That's why he got those shots so right. But I mean, when he when he went to the studio, they said, what do you want to do? And he said, I'm going to bring in Arthur C. Clarke. Here's a screenplay we wrote together. I want to make the proverbial good science fiction movie. And they said, That's for kids. And he goes, I want to make science fiction for adults. And they said, I mean, go ahead. They took that chance. That chance would never be taken today. I mean, I guess Christopher Nolan making like Interstellar was about as close to, to that type of risk as the studios are willing to make. But look what he had to do to get the carte blanche to do that. He had to he had to take on shelf. Batman. That, oh. <laughs> I don't know if that was... <laughs> well, no, was gonna, like, that movie would have been so much better if it was, there was never a bookshelf in it. <laughs> I'm, try, I'm trying to stay as spoiler-free about these movies as I can in case people okay, haven't okay. seen them. Because we... We are talking about some good movies. I mean, if you haven't seen Dog Day Afternoon, you'll be surprised how much it. You'll be surprised how much by the time you're done watching it, you go, that could damn near relate to a lot of what's going on in pop culture. Isn't that movie like right now? Thirty-five years old. Yeah, it's got to be, man. Yeah, so don't 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 worry about spoilers. My rules, my rule is more than a decade. Don't worry about spoilers. People have had their chance. I got you. But, I mean, ultimately, I think what happened was is that movies, in the 90s, they had the the little resurgence of the, you know, the little indies they could. And then you had Spider-Man. And once they saw, oh, shit, we can do that. Then within five years, you had Transformers. You had uh, more Spider-Man. They tried the Incredible Hulk the first time. You had the Batman Begins, you know. I, the movies got safe again. It, what 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 is the proven commodity? Well, we're not going to take chances, and that's where television stepped in and said, "Fuck it, we'll take the chances." Yeah, that's what they're missing. Is like they said, "Oh, we made a Spider-Man movie, and we found out that people will go see a Spider-Man movie. So now we can make all kinds of crazy toy and comic book based movies because people will go and see these." But what you're forgetting is, people will go see them. When they're good. Yes. If Spider-Man sucked, you would have went, well, we told you. People uh, aren't good. Spider-Man 2. People aren't. Well, no, I'm saying if the if the first Sam Raimi Spider-Man film sucked and nobody went to see it, 
They went, oh, oh yeah, let's definitely. scrap all of our plans. People will not go see superhero movies. No, I'll go people back will even go see a movie about just about anything as long as it's good. We just want a story. I'll go, I'll go back even farther and say that between that the only reason I think that, that superhero movies got the reprieve they did was because they came out with Spawn, and that pretty much flopped. But the next year they came out with Blade, and it, I know people who watched that movie and loved it and had no idea it was a comic book. Right. They they just thought it was I a Wesley Snipes. Game. I didn't know when it came out. I had never written, read a Blade comic book. I mean, he, Blade was created in the seventies, I believe. Didn't have a whole lot of action in Marvel comics during the eighties. Maybe he saw a revival in the nineties from the movie, but I was already not reading comic books at that point. And it certainly wasn't advertised as in your favorite comic book anti-hero comes to life. Definitely not. They because they were trying to distance themselves from anything comic book like after the fucking turd that was Spawn. Because if you remember when Spawn come out in the movie theaters, it was the same summer Spawn come out in the animated series. Yeah. And the bitch of it is, if you're a real Spawn fan, you know the animated series just absolutely butt-fucked that movie into oblivion because the animated series was amazing compared to that sh- piece of shit movie, oh, yeah. except for John Leguizamo. <laughs> I think, I'm sorry, when when he farts and, 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 and Blade looks at him and he goes... Every time, every time someone farts, a demon gets its horns. I laughed my ass off. I, I was like, that, like he's perfect for the role of a fucking dirty, filthy clown who's actually a demon right. hiding underneath the, you know, the clown makeup. I'm, so I don't know why John Leguizamo gets so much shit. I really like him. I understand that he's not like the most multifaceted actor out there. That he's fairly limited in the roles that he can play really well. But he does them so well. Who gives a fuck? He's he's a character Be- actor because he killed Carlito Brigante. <laughs> he's Benny Blanco from the Bronx. Everyone hated him after Carlito's way. Right. <laughs> Sean Penn got a reprieve. <laughs> Benny Blanco did not. <laughs> You don't get to kill Carlito Brigante. What are you talking about, man? <laughs> he was going to go live with, what's her face, the red-headed pale chick who's kind of hot. He was going to go live with Penelope Ann Miller. He, was, he had yeah. it set. <laughs> oh, God. I but need no, to watch that movie I, again. I love I, it. It, it. It is such a good It really is such a good movie. Um, but, no, I mean, it, the, and I know I keep going back to it, but I just had this conversation with a huge, with a friend of mine who's a huge Dark Tower fan, and I said, did you finally see the movie? And he goes, uh, yes. And I said, what what'd you think? He goes, I was bored, and I didn't give a fuck about what was going on. I said, exactly. Yeah. I didn't care. I didn't have any connection to any of these characters, yet I, I had such a connection to the characters in the book. And we both said something that you'd have never heard 15 years ago. They should have turned that into a TV series instead. It'd have been so much better. Oh, right. Yeah, you. Yeah. Well, it was unthinkable I mean, at the time that you could do that. That there was definitely. I mean, maybe technology has a has a a, a fair uh, amount to do with the quality of television that we've seen. You can do a lot more with a lot less now, as when it comes to making something look really nice look professional and even the post-production techniques are are, are certainly expiated with uh, expedited with uh, 
you know, being mostly digital technology now. But um, yeah, definitely. But yeah, you. And but, if you want to see how far that's come in television, watch the first episode of season three of The Sopranos. When the actress who played Tony Soprano's mom died and they superimposed her face on another actress, it is cringeworthy to watch that. (laughs) Now go watch the last episode of season seven of of Game of Thrones and you see how far television has come with what they're willing to spend. Because that was cutting edge technology when they did that with Sopranos. They spent like $2 million to do that scene and it looks like something someone photoshopped and put on Facebook. It is horrible. So, yeah, it's, it's... it, it's leaps and bounds. And it, here's, is it, I hate to say this, but it's like the music. I feel it's the same way about the music industry. They kind of did it to themselves, man. Yeah. It, it, I, it, all, it all ties into, you think you're too big to fail. I really think it always gets, it could, it could, yeah, we're the that. movie industry. People are always going to go see movies. Like, movies are always going to be preferable to television. Like, people are going to watch more television because it beams right into their house and shit. But, Hell, if they want to see a real spectacle, they got to get their asses to the theater and watch it on the big screen. And it's just not true anymore. I mean, the recording industry, I mean, how many more examples do you need to have happen before you get your shit together? The recording, what was the first one was recording industry. Next, it was radio. Now we're watching the movie. And you know, how many, how many more of you have to fall before one of you goes, holy shit, things are changing. And I think there's a lot of people, as sad as this is, um, and and I have to say this, okay, because I had satellite radio for a year there with my car because it came with it and they gave me a deal, blah blah blah, and so I, you know, I said, fuck it, I'll, I'll keep it. But I mean, even someone like Howard Stern, who dumped radio in 2005 and jumped to satellite radio, is shitting to this day, is shitting all over podcast, is shitting all over internet radio, is shitting over all over what we do, have a network of shows, and going, who the fuck cares? Anyone can do it from their fucking bathroom with an iPad. Who gives a shit? That's not special. That's if the you wanna, point, Howard. If you want to earn your fucking place and, and, have, and have people care about what you're doing, you got to go make fucking $7 an hour working, you know, 16 hours a week on, on overnights and weekends for 20 years like I did and terrestrial radio and he defends it and i'm like you took a shit all over it 12 years ago when you left it and you still defend it that's how and there are people in terrestrial radio who just refuse to admit there is a problem right. and they do it on there you know how they're i know there's a problem they're doing it on air now whereas before they never would have addressed it never would have addressed it on there right i don't understand that been a behind the scenes thing what does what does howard stern think it is that made him so special that he was able to uh, accrue millions of listeners all across the world. Was it the fact that he was in a really nice studio? He had really nice professional microphones that he had a guy behind glass with a mixing board Were any of those factors. I mean, sure. If it sounded and was produced like shit, doesn't matter how good the guy was on uh, Probably a lot of people wouldn't tune in. It's a factor, but it is not the defining factor. The the defining factor is his brain and the shit that comes out of his mouth. Yeah, but I have to say, after listening to about a year of of, of him, it's gotten. Well, I'm not a fan. It's got it, it, It's it's. 
I mean, I, I just understand I, I used to listen to, uh, Yeah, well, I mean, I used to listen to Howard Stern, and there would be some creative bits, and he would have interesting people on. It is literally now Howard sits there and rips on everybody and gets pe- his whole crew fighting with each other constantly, ripping on each other, but no one better fucking say or even breathe the wrong way at Howard. Mm-hmm. And it really comes off as he's just this big bully, Right, and his numbers are reflecting it because I personally think he's out of ideas. Without terrestrial radio, with what made Howard Stern so good on terrestrial radio, besides what you described, is he had an enemy, the FCC or his boss. He was. It was how far is he going to take it? How far can he go up against the line? Mm-hmm. It's pay radio. He can get, he can get on there and fucking just sh- just literally stick a mic up his ass and fart for four hours, and it's not going to shock anybody. Right. So maybe that's no where he's maybe that's where the line is for him. Like he looks at it as he came in and disrupted what was acceptable to be broadcast on radio and you don't even have those standards in podcast form to fight. You know? Well, if you want to say is, if you want to swear on your podcast, you fucking can. Nobody's going to tell you, not even Apple's going to tell you that you can't swear on your podcast and release it to everybody. You know what it is? The disruptor has become the disruptee. That's right. Yeah, that might be a little bit of sour grapes. I mean, too, and it's maybe it's a little buttered that there's no more gatekeepers. Like, hey, I don't need to suck somebody's ass to get my shit out there anymore. I don't need to do all this crazy shit. I got an internet connection. I'm sure that's a big part of it. Like, he's bitter that he had to to fight to make the show that he wanted to do. And if he was starting now, it would be no question. Here's the irony. If he was starting now, people wouldn't care. And he did. <laughs> exactly. Because he doesn't have... He would just be another... He'd just be another voice in the fucking millions who who, who do it and, and every day. Well, right. But, well, I think that he would find... If he was doing... If Howard Stern was starting now as a podcast, he would find a core audience... He would find those guys oh, that I love mean, I, listening to his show every day, and he'd probably find enough to get sponsors and make a decent living, but he wouldn't take over the podcasting world. I meant on terrestrial radio. Oh, he, if he, he, would, he would get lost in the shuffle. Oh, yeah. Oh, easily. Yeah. Well, because he only, okay, he signed for another five years, and he said that, and I think that was last year, and he said that's it. So he's got four years to go. The heir apparent at, at, at Sirius was Opie and Anthony. Well, three years ago, Anthony fucking shit all over that. So now it's Opie and Jim Norton and whoever else he has guest host. That's not they're not going to keep the fucking subscribers they have. When Howard goes, the best thing that they can do is make sure to keep that Howard 101, which is a basically a best of station from from his very first show in D.C. till his show now. They play, you know. That range of stuff. That's the best thing they can do to keep people subscribed who who were there for right. Howard Stern and Howard Stern only. I mean, because there's I don't I don't know what I don't know how satellite radio has managed to survive this long, and I don't well, see you know, how once, there's any future in it when everybody on their phone between two apps can stream just about any song and get just about any podcast for next to nothing. Well, here's, the, here's the fucked up thing. They, you know, I, I bought my car. They gave you three months free. At the end of the three months, they said, we'll give you a year for, I think it was 100, oh, 120. Okay, so it's 10 bucks a month. All right, that's not that bad. I'll try it for a year for that. 
well, well, with a month to go, I get an email. If you'd like to re-up it, you know, that offer no longer exists. It was over $200 a year to re-up it. I said, you got to be kidding me. $200 a year for something that I can only listen to in my car or I have to be near a computer to stream? Have you seen what any of your competition is charging? It's from nothing to max $10. Yeah. Have a have a business plan. Like, what are you thinking? And on top of that, even if they, there is a paywall on, on a on a podcast, usually once a show reaches a certain age, it goes over into the free department. You can check out older shows for free, or vice versa. Some of them, are, a few of them are actually vice versa. Yeah. The new ones you get for free if you want to access the archive. You got to pay four bucks a month, whatever the fuck it is. Yeah, but you but ninety nine percent of your podcast content out there is free it's supported through advertisers and or people just loving the show enough that they donate but but i'm factoring in the the music too you know that that is something that that satellite does radio does better than terrestrial radio is their programming for their music channels oh definitely it's way better but again for ten bucks, I can have any one I got number Google of Music. Fuck the you. Uh, available platforms that have just about any song that I can play when I want to hear it. The one the, thing I the, would the, say what, that that's your competition. The one thing I would say Satellite was good for, as far as music, besides the fact that they played, they had so many channels. I mean, if you wanted to listen to basically terrestrial radio on Satellite, they had those channels. But that's a waste of money in my my book. Right. It, right. It's the off the beaten path channels that were cool. And the one thing that I, that I liked is I felt like a kid again when I first started really listening to the radio because they would play artists I'd never heard of. And for the first time, I'm getting in my car and I'm driving and I hear something come on I've never heard before. And I actually have to keep a pen and paper in my car so I can write it down as to who it is so I can remember to look them up later. Yeah. That's why I, I use my Shazam app a lot um, just to, as a way to keep track. Even if I know like who the artist is, um, I, just to keep track of it and go, oh, that's, you know, so-and-so has got a new album out. So I'll, I'll just go through my list of things that I've Shazammed every once in a while and just go, go uh, add it to my collection in Google Music. I do that a lot listening to... Uh, well, the only music radio I ever really listen to is occasionally I'll scan through and maybe try and find, you know, a decent David Bowie or Queen song on some classic rock radio station or something. Or I'll go to the Canadian radio stations and actually mm-hmm. hear music that I have never heard before. I, I, I do have to say I'm I'm glad I am closer to Ann Arbor now than I used to be because Ann Arbor has a station that's really good. Oh, yeah. And there's also, depending on where I'm at and the time of day, there's also a, a college radio station that I'm not sure what college it is because that's how infrequently I can pick it up that plays stuff that I'm like, oh, my God, who's this? And I have to actually go look it up. And I don't, I, I don't, I don't think I've done that with terrestrial radio in years. Fuck no. I, not, I, not I don't think I've heard terrestrial radio. Yeah, not anything beaming on the airwaves in the U.S. Yeah, not like you know here in Detroit. You know, the the not on Riff, not on CS. Well, obviously CSX is classic rock, but you know what I'm saying. Like no Riff, no even 89X used to be like that, I, and now it's just like it's it's 
It's riff for younger people. The last time I called a radio station to be like, what are you playing? It was like 2002, and it was a, a Canadian station, 89X. Yeah. Yeah. That's, is, is that, that was probably the, the last year that you played anything interesting. Yeah. <laughs> what? <coughs> Excuse me. Unless you, listen, unless you listen to Sunday morning between 8 and 12 it when is, they play it all like- the stuff... From the 80s and 90s that you didn't even hear on the 89X in the 80s and 90s. <laughs> Let's say now it's, it's Time Warp. When, we, when I was in high school, it was like, yeah, all the older, like, punk, you know, the, all that stuff. Now it's, uh, oh, hey, it, it sounds like uh, the radio in high school. Cool. But, you know, every, yeah, I just every once in a while they'll throw in some, the, some good stuff out that, that slipped between the cracks. But, but I mean, I, and I was just having this conversation with a, a, a friend of mine about radio who, uh, well, Amber, we, we, Chris and I and her all went to school together. <clears throat> I made the case that as far as radio and the music industry goes, I think the nineties was the last gasp of like, yep. the, the looking at the charts and seeing an eclectic group all lumped together in the top 40, 100, however, you know, whatever number you want to look at. Because now it's just, it's the same people over and over and over. And if it's not the same people, it's the same producers and songwriters writing for different people, but they sound all the same. Like there's nothing, you know, 92, you know, you started off the year with Michael Jackson at number one. And then, you know, through that year you had uh, Nirvana, Pearl Jam, uh, you know, and all the all the grunge guys, and then you started to have like electronic music creep in. The Madchester scene had pretty much died, but you had the remnants of it actually, you know, getting play on the radio. You had basically raps coming out party that year, as far as you know, making it on, you know, top forty radio with the Chronic and all that. I mean. It, it, there's it's not that eclectic anymore it's just not you listen to top you listen to to you you look at the charts and it's just you know okay pop 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 and you look at the songwriters and producers and it's all the same people it's all manufactured it's all handed to okay you're pretty enough and you got a decent enough voice that we can fix in the studio so we can make a star of you here's your material go out and do it right that's why there, like when the occasional artist pops up that actually seems to have some talent and some passion for what they're doing. They do actually stand out. And even when they're not like, okay, I kind of got, I got into Lord for a hot second because I saw her perform and I was like, wow, here's somebody who can actually sing without having to have auto tune or some effects or, or, you know, lots of like, people dancing and things blowing up around them to distract you from how untalented they are but I mean at the end of the day nothing that Lord made I I didn't go oh I need to listen to this like over and over again it was just like wow that's interesting here's somebody who actually seems like an artist who gives a shit about what they're doing and is getting on the radio Mm mm-hmm And I mean, I I don't know what the industry would do without Taylor Swift. Is she like carrying an entire industry on her back right now? Because that's what it seems like between her and uh, and Kanye. 
throw in a little Katy Perry here and there, and, it, and this is the one thing that I I found this out by listening to satellite radio. I did, I, I used to walk around saying I I don't like country. That's not true. I don't like the country that's on the radio yeah. because all it is is pop music with a few mandolins, banjos, and steel guitar right. thrown in the background for good measure. Yeah, that's all it I is. I used to say the only the only genre of music that I did not like was reggae, and it turns out I was just always hearing shitty reggae. I was just hearing the same Bob Marley <laughs> songs over and over again. Not saying Bob Marley's shitty, but you know if that's all you ever hear, you just were sitting in the same basements. I don't, I don't think you're getting a, yeah. a true sense of what what reggae is. Again, I don't want to diss yeah, exactly. him, but he was pop reggae, okay? And not only that, but I mean, you know, I think every suburban stoner was issued a copy of Legend at one point. Yeah. Because everyone I knew had either that, that cassette CD or poster or a combination of the three in their room in the 90s. You know, it was, it was, is obligatory. It was, I guess it was like having a, if you were a teenager in, in the late seventies, having Frampton comes alive, you just had to have that album. Yeah. What, what did Mike Myers say in Wayne's world? It came in the, it came in the mail with samples of Tide. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't get away from it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I agree with you because I, you know, I, I, I discovered some, you know, some stuff, a lot of it, a, a little bit older. And then by older, I mean like, let's say 20, 30 years. And some of it new, and I was like, "Wow, man, why is this not on the radio?" I mean, and it's 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 not so far off the beaten path that I couldn't hear it on the radio. And then I realized, oh, that's right, because it's still a risk. It's not the pretty person up front. Yeah. It's a bunch of singer songwriters who are better or average or better than average looking who write their own material, record their own material, produce themselves, and the record companies go, yeah, that's nice. We're going to throw you on a little, you know, maybe 15, 2,000-seat venue tour, keep putting out albums, but we're not going to put the money behind you to get you on the fucking country stations. That's not going to happen. So get your little cult following and just enjoy that. You're going to make a living playing music. You're not going to be rich playing music. Right. You guys are going to kill it on Prairie Home Companion. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, that's about it. And it's, it's just, <laughs> it's, it's kind of sad because I, you know, I, I wouldn't want to grow up nowadays. And here's the irony of it. You have a, you have the whole world at your fingertips as far as music, but there's almost no guide because if I'd have had the internet, if I'd have just had a dial-up connection and I could just look up pages and find out who influenced what this artist or where this, you know, who recorded with this artist and go check out his stuff and et cetera, et cetera, I'd have been in hog heaven. And now it's just like, eh, that's too much effort. I can just turn on the radio and hear, you know, my humps, my humps. Yeah. Like uh, my lovely lady right. lumps. Well, I mean, I guess it's. I love how Rich's attempt to be hip is a ten-year-old song. <laughs> well, you know what I mean. Well, no, actually, here's here. I said this. I didn't even know that fucking tonight's gonna be a good night song. I didn't know who did that. And they were like, "Dude, that was like." I'm like, "What is this a new song?" They're like, "Dude, that's from 2009. That's yeah. Black Eyed Peas." I'm yeah, like, "Yep, really." And then someone said, I heard a song, and I'm like, oh, who's that? And they said, Kendrick Lamar. And I was like, I don't know who that is. Oh, really? Like, you don't know who Kendrick Lamar oh, is? I'm like, yeah, Kendrick Lamar is really good. He's Dre's like, new protege. 
Yeah, I'm like, no, I, I, and once I, I mean, I'm like, oh, I've heard that song, but I couldn't have picked him out of a crowd of one. Yeah, I, you know what? So, well, uh, and it's in. Here's a, I, also that's I think that comes with just real quick. So I'm just finish that thought. Yeah. I think that comes with if you want to look if you want to watch videos. There's no channel to watch video. No channel, even if you have pay cable anymore to watch videos, you have to go to YouTube. Right. There's no like. There's there's not even what was it a uh, Palladium for a minute was trying to show videos and then they just went to all live you know concerts. Yeah. There's not even that. So. Well, I'm interested in because uh, I think a lot of where they're trying to fill in the gaps in the market is is prying on people's nostalgia and you know the getting member berries getting certain acts or, or artists. You know, to to come back for you know a tour and a new album and all that, and I don't know. Have you guys experienced any of this with with artists that that you've liked? For me, it's been a lot of the the shoegaze artists and the Britpop artists from the '90s that that I was really into that have now reformed, or even like I mean, Pixies don't really fall into that category, but that's a good example. Um, Bands like uh, Ride and My Bloody Valentine have both released albums that in that they you know projects that they haven't they haven't done anything in like a decade or more. God, and, I haven't heard I haven't heard or thought about Ride since I think the year started with a yeah. one. <laughs> I uh, <laughs> I didn't know that they they had a new album that came out over the summer and uh, I didn't even know it and it just happened to pop up as a recommendation in my uh on google play i was like oh shit yeah i'll listen to it and i've got everything that they've done prior so yeah i'm gonna listen to the new ride album eh, i'm not that impressed it was uh it, first of all it had a lot of uh I, I well i guess it was produced like on the notes for it in google play it says their first album since uh i think it was like and Tarantula was the last album. And I can't even remember when that was, but it was over a decade ago. And uh, they're like their first album in over a decade, produced by DJ so and so. And I'm like, DJ? Why do they have a DJ producing it? And sure enough, it's got like a lot of unnecessary synthesizers and drum machines in there. I'm like, I'm not anti a band adopting new instruments and new ways to express themselves, but it seemed to be just, hey. We're known as a guitar-based band. Here's some crazy synthesizer sounds. Isn't that what different? Mean, like, the the stunt casting of the Chili Peppers having Danger Mouse produce their last album. Right. That it's kind like, of shit. Remember what my guitar used to do? Now that my synthesizer <laughs> goes. Wait a minute, wait a minute, Chris. You, so that this last Chili Peppers album that came out was produced by Danger Mouse. Yep. Okay, that makes sense because. <laughs> <laughs> the guitar player they got to replace John Frusciante uh, says he'd rather play drums or keyboards than play guitar, but oh, yeah. you know he just can't ass up being in the Chili Peppers. John Frusciante is uh, making techno tracks as well. Yeah, under the name Trick Finger. He's releasing it. Yeah. God, I'm nerding now. He's <laughs> releasing an album in two days. I, 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 uh, you know, I've been, I, uh, one of the shows that I've been binging on Netflix is a good place, which is actually really good with Kristen Bell and, uh, and, uh, Ted Danson. 
and it's about the afterlife. The whole show is about the afterlife. And there's these, <laughs> there's a series of questions that Ted Danson asks people to determine if they go to the good place or the bad place. And one of them is, have you ever paid money to attend a concert uh, of a, a concert performance by the, fu- the California funk rock band Red Hot Chili Peppers? <laughs> Which, if you can't guess, that was one of the things that sent you to the bad place, possibly. <laughs> of course, of course. See, this is the thing. Like, I, I love John Frusciante's soul stuff. Obviously, more more his guitar driven soul stuff, which I think sadly he's done with. Yeah. But, but I mean, I think Blood Sugar Sex Magic. He pretty much wrestled control of that band away from Anthony and Flea, and said, "This is going to be the band I want." Right. And when he came back, he definitely wrestled control away. By the time, uh, by the way, come out, which if you if you. People go, oh, it's a shitty album. It's full of fucking uh, adult contemporary music. But if you go listen to it, it's so layered with fucking harmonies and vocals. And he's using, he, he was studying chord you know, theory and all this stuff and studying the Beach Boys. It makes sense why that album sounds like that. Mm-hmm. So I can defend it from that. Like, I'm like, uh, they, I'm like, take John Frusciante out that band. I can't defend him. Put John Frusciante in that band. I'm like, every musician needs a band to get his ideas across. (laughs) Like, I I still think Anthony Kiedis is the weakest link in that band, and people just hate me for saying that. I'm like, he's not that good of a singer. I'm sorry. I think you're correct. And I love that band. Yeah, well, okay, so, but uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers is an example of a band that has never quit, never broken up, and managed to sustain a career over the course of decades. But to get back to I was kind of curious. Of, I don't know if you guys have an example of this, but is there a band that broke up, that you listened to when you were a teenager that was rather influential to you, that then broke up and then went on to reform in your when you were adult? And if so, was it a good experience or a bad one? <laughs> I find like, Alice in Chains. More often than not, it's not a very good one. What? Okay, so Alice in Chains got back together. Yes, they got it. They have a uh, a uh, black guy that sings for him now. Took a black guy to replace Lane Staley, mm-hmm. and uh, I've seen him live, and he's uh, he's fucking dead on, and I like their new shit. And oh, yeah. yeah, well, okay. I think a lot of people. A lot of people miss miss uh, or underestimated how much of those vocals were Lane Staley and Jerry Cantrell singing together at the same time. Right. Correct. That's what made Alice in Chains have that sound. Um, for me, uh, it's so stereotypical, but I, when the Misfits got back together, I I was just like. Guys, it's a money grab at this point. If this had happened 20 years ago, it might have been something that they could still put some energy in. Literally, they were sitting around doing like an Elvis comeback special 68, doing all their old songs. <laughs> like, it misfits in the round as they're sitting on chairs playing London Dungeon and Bullet and She and Where Eagles Dare. And I'm like, eh. if you have to sit down to play a song whose hook is I ain't no goddamn son of a bitch you better think about it <laughs> I think your time is pretty much come and gone I mean 
the only reason the Rolling Stones get away with still doing what they do is because I don't know what they shoot up Mick Jagger with, but he still struts across the stage like a chicken who got punched in the lips. <laughs> so, I mean, he gets away with it because he's, he still gets out there and moves. He's got a blood boy. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> what is it? What do they do in South Park? They rip the baby's heads open and start drinking the stem cells. That's what he's doing backstage. <laughs> Speaking of, since I don't have cable, I just found this out. New season of South Park coming up. Uh, I, I can't wait to see what their take on all this shit is. But better than that, the new South Park video game's coming out. And it's a role-playing game in the South Park world, which is a continuation of the last one they released about three years ago. And get this. You, de- you decide difficulty by changing the color of your character. The lighter the skin, the easier it is. The darker the skin, the harder the game is. <laughs> 20 years on, them fuckers how do these shit. How do these guys get away with that shit? Because <laughs> they don't care. These guys have never, like, the only thing that's really ever protested them is, like, fucking, like, moms against swearing and shit. Uh, mi- like, the, or the million man, million mom mark. <laughs> yeah, they've never had like Al Sharpton, you know, or anybody call publicly for them to be. I mean, they wrote a whole musical bagging on a religion. Not I, well, they one. They're protesters for sure, but they managed to keep making money for a lot of fucking people. So. And I think they do something that is a lost art and satire, supposed satire these days. They fuck with everybody. They don't care who you are, what side of the political spectrum you're on. They don't care if you're just a blip on the pop culture radar. They're going, if, if you come, if you get in their crosshairs, they're going to take their best shot. Whereas Family Guy, you definitely see where Family Guy leans to the left on a lot of shit. Simpsons, I mean, do we even need to talk about the Simpsons leaning to the left? It's been that way since the beginning. Right. It's probably even more so now, even though I haven't watched The Simpsons in well over a decade. That's not been must-see TV for a long time for me. Because right, that, that's pretty much the standard. I mean, look at Bill Maher's show. If he makes a joke about a liberal, he gets booed. <laughs> I love when he's, oh, he's like, what the fuck are you groaning for? <laughs> right, yeah. who, who brought this audience in? You understand I'm a comedian, right? <laughs> I think it was it was about uh, probably when Obama got into the office that he really started not turning on his audience because I don't think he has turned on his audience, but he used to accept a lot more shit from him. And, and when when he <laughs> when he no longer had to base a show off of what the fuck Bush was doing, and now had to based it off of somebody who you know somebody who's in charge that not only did he support and vote for but gave a million dollars to that uh he had to have something there you're not going to agree with absolutely everything that any given uh candidate does as president so there so he had to have i mean there was going to be something that you know, would would spark his uh, his criticism, and that's when he kind of had to start telling the audience, "Just shut up and relax, okay?" 
You know, if, the, if you guys are going to boo and hiss everything that I say about a liberal, this is going to be a long show. Like, we're not going to get much his done. audience here. is the worst part of his show. It is, but I think it's kind of a necessary evil. And John Oliver's audience is getting to be just as obnoxious. Yeah. Even though I, I, I agree with far more thing, of the things that come out of John Oliver's mouth. Because John Oliver, John Oliver's kind of in the same realm as the South Park guys. Like they, they, they it, it, I, I, guess, I mean, it does bend to the left, but I guess but John Oliver is more equal opportunity with picking on here, you. Here's the the through line between South Park and John Oliver: it's consistency. Yes, you know if if South Park thinks that like you know this issue or people's reaction to this and that, if they think that all this is ridiculous it doesn't change depending on who's in power no it, it definitely does not change south park has just always been great at showing the ridiculous side of every of everything the ridiculous side of every situation like nobody is off limits and that fucking god damn that is it's where can i download this game can i download it on every device i have <laughs> Well, I think you might actually have to main, buy a current game system <laughs> to do that. I think it, well, it's coming out for PC, and it's it's it literally the the first one was the stick. It was called the Stick of Destiny, and I had a roommate, and I had bought it, and he came home, and he looked at the TV before he looked at me, and he goes, "Oh, you're watching South Park, huh?" Until he realized that there was like. Final Fantasy type fighting going on, and he's like, "That's what, that's the video game that looks just like the cartoon." And I'm like, "Exactly, it's South Park. It's not hard to get the graphics up to that." Right. Let's be honest. So, so it's not like you're going to have to have a super duper computer to run it. But uh, this game is called the Fractured But B U T W H O L E, the Fractured Butthole. So, <laughs> <laughs> so dumb. <laughs> what I have to say in the game, okay, in the first game, there was a scene where you had to abort a Nazi fetus yeah. that had impregnated Stan's dad, <laughs> and then when you pull it out, it it it, it splits in the, it splits up and it, it starts attacking you, and so you have to kill all these Nazi fetuses, right? <clears throat> and as they're attacking you, they have like sound clips of Hitler circa like 38 going. So it's like, Shiza, Uza, Jordan, Shiza, and they're coming at you and you kill them. And then when they're all done, they're laying on the ground. If you took your character up and you kicked one while it was ground down, you got an achievement that said too far. And it was just like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at one point when you're walking into Ke to Kenny's house and your Cartman, Cartman starts singing in the ghetto, in the ghetto. I mean, it's just it's so full of in jokes. And if you watch the show, it was one of the best games I've ever played. I laughed my ass off. I could not believe they were getting away with it in video games. I can't wait to see this new one, especially when I heard that the darker your skin is, depending on how difficult the game is. I that is fucking hilarious. You know, here's the thing. You would think. <laughs> that's what he's singing in. when you walk to go get Kenny that's what he's singing in the game <laughs> but uh, 
You would think now that because they did that, you would think that the people who are like, you know, like the Black Lives Matter people and the people who are all about, you know, white privilege would be like, yeah, I'm glad they're calling attention to this. No. You think they would get been, the political satire that it is? Yes, they, they don't. don't. <laughs> it's been it's been all the libertarian groups and pages I follow that they're like, that is fucking great. That is awesome. And then all the right wing and the left wing groups are flipping out because the right wing groups are like, oh, so because your darker life is harder. That's bullshit. And then all the left wing groups are like, this is racist and and problematic. And I'm just like, oh, my God, I'm loving it. It's racist because it's commenting on racism. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, I cannot wait for that game to come out. I, I I might actually record some clips and send them to you guys if there's some really good bits in that game. Because <laughs> I know neither of you are going to play it, most likely. It, trust me, it don't come out on the Nintendo systems. Yeah. That's one game. It's like it's like Grand Theft Auto. You ain't going to see that on the Nintendo systems. That's geared yeah. towards little kids, not adults. But, uh yeah, it was it's it's um it's gonna be interesting uh to see the reaction because um we were well we were talking about it a little bit uh before we started the show uh um one of my, one of the families I'm friends with their daughter went to orientation uh for college and oh boy it's it's about what I what I've been told it, it was it sounded like it was. It was four days of, you know, apparently one of, like one of the stats that was was made crystal clear to everybody was one in one in four women in this in, in on this college campus in your four years here will be raped, and you know, and I'm like, and I even had to ask her. I said, okay, hold on, time out. Rape or sexually assaulted? Are they lumping those two in because someone touching your breast at a party? isn't rape, but that is sexual assault. I mean, because literally that that stat makes it sound like you're walking in broad daylight through the quad and a rapist jumps out and of a bush and just has his way with you in front of everybody. One, and think about how big of a chance one in four is. Like, that's a huge fucking chance. Right, I think you like, would assume that it would, it would happen to you. That's making it sound like our universities are just rape factories. Well, it's, rape mills. it is because, you know... This is this came up in the news today because of uh, of uh, what's her name DeVos that she she wants to roll back the the language in the Title IX protections that classify how uh, how campuses handle these rape cases and, See, and, and give them and, guidelines and quick, for how just... they can define it. So that that is part of the problem. The reason that we can. People can spout statistics like one in four is because they've made everything rape. See, and that's here's the interesting thing about Title Nine. What I know about Title Nine is Nixon, it passed during the Nixon administration. Right. It was put in a law during his administration. And it's the only thing I know about it is it's supposed it's supposed to guarantee that equal funding goes towards the women's athletic departments in college. They go towards the men. Mm-hmm. And I had no idea it had anything to do with anything else on campus, but I just thought it was that. I Until like a year, maybe not even a year, I'm not, six months ago I had no idea 
until I started hearing it in articles that had nothing to do with sports. And I'm like, what the fuck are they talking about Title IX for? And I had to look it up, and I'm like, I had no idea. That's been 40 years, you know, more than 40 at, th- at this point. I didn't know that. And, I mean, I'm, from what I'm guessing is that it, it gives them a very broad brush to paint with when they use terms like rape. Well, I mean, it, seems it gives to me, them also, li- when they're dealing with cases of sexual assault, it actually gives them very little leeway. To decide. I mean, if somebody, if if your actions are considered assault in any way, then you have to be off campus. But, and I don't, not to defend a lot of the, the creeps that are out there on campus looking to take advantage of women, because I, you know, I know that they're out there, but there are cases of, you know, two people getting drunk, sleeping together, the girl waking up and regretting it, and now it's a rape case. And now this guy, because he got drunk and slept with a girl who was also drunk, which is what you fucking do at college, now he can't go to school anymore. Now he might have his life possibly ruined. Because he wasn't just kicked out of school. He was kicked out of school for rape. How do you think most people over 21 get laid? I mean... Not even at college. It seems weird to me that like these, these types of, of restrictions on how how people can do their jobs are lauded and yet our war on crime is racist or I mean our war on drugs is racist I mean you basically have the same thing what <coughs> during the crack epidemic the uh, the rules that Reagan administration put into place had were uh, there were mandatory minimum sentencing for the drug for having drugs and it was all based on weight. And it left very little leniency for any judge to look at a case and go, you seem like you're a decent guy and maybe you fucked up this one time and I'm going to try and cut you a little bit of a break and maybe not even get you some prison time. You know, so, so those rules were draconian, but when we handle rape in the same way, everybody's got to get up and applaud. Why? Because... Look, I understand that rape is a horrible crime. It's like right underneath murder as far as sick, disturbing shit that you can do to other people. And that you could even argue that drug use is a a victimless crime. So I'm not really equating the two. I'm just saying if you're going to look at one situation and say, well... The, the way that we handled this just across the board, if you're caught with drugs, you're, you're automatically a bad person, that you should be serving jail time, that we shouldn't have any leniency for this type of behavior. And, and to say that that's a bad way to handle it. But to look at another problem of sexual abuse on campus... And say, well, no, this is good. We're just going to, everybody that, you know, every man that is somehow involved in a sexual assault accusation has to be guilty and has to be removed from campus. It just doesn't, it's, it's inconsistent. Well, to me, if it's, if that statistic was presented to me and my daughter was going to that college, my daughter would not be going to that yeah, college. Exactly. 
It's okay, funny. I, <clears throat> I would look at her and say, one, you're going to a college that's close enough to home to where you're not living on campus. And two, you're to go to class. You're to have classes during the day. And you're to come home right after. Or let me just put it, let me break it down to you. You're to get on the campus, take your class, and get the fuck off that campus. Because apparently that place has a almost as high statistic of rape as prison does. So get the fuck out of there, ASAP. And my other thought was. <sighs> I, are are we are we to the point now to where it just we, we with certain accusations we don't even bother to give lip service to guilty until or or innocent until proven guilty. I mean I know it's it's not it's it's not a a rape accusation and it is a sports related story but it fits into what we're talking about. There was an NFL player whose ex girlfriend made an accusation of physical abuse towards him and <clears throat> the local police investigated it uh, didn't find enough to charge him or go ahead with prosecution and so dropped the case and there was also multiple witnesses that witnessed her saying things to him in arguments like I'm going to make sure your career is ruined etc etc well these accusations got to the NFL And the NFL suspended this player for six of uh, 17 games based solely on an accusation. There was no criminal trial. It's not even like he was acquitted. This was solely based on an accusation. Yeah, charges weren't even brought up. I mean, if that can happen to someone in the NFL who has millions of dollars, uh, uh, a player's union who is willing to send lawyers in to represent him so it doesn't even come out of his pocket, et cetera, et cetera. What's going to happen to Joe Blow working a regular job yeah. if an accusation comes up and the police investigate and go, there's nothing there? By the time the police are done with the investigation, most likely, if this is, the, if this is where the bar is set, this guy is going to be fired from his job. He's going to be blacklisted. He's going to be a pariah in the community. There's going to be calls for him to be fucking driven out of town. I mean, you might as well start up a posse and fucking, you know, light the torches and come in horseback. Yeah, you might, and, you know, you Franken, well, Frankenstein's monster is ass. You may as well send him to jail. It'll be safer. I mean... This, this idea... I, that, I know that saying that you have a zero-tolerance policy on something, especially something like rape, sounds really good. But the concept of having a zero-tolerance policy on anything kind of goes against the standards that we've set for our society in America in general. But why did we set why did we set up this whole complicated system of laws and and judges and juries and all this shit? Why did we do all this if we're just going to go, well, yeah, but when it comes to rape, that's zero tolerance. But too isn't why, also why having the, is, but isn't having a zero tolerance policy on rape kind of like the people who are all taking the brave stance against white supremacy a couple weeks ago. I mean, don't we all generally have a zero-tolerance policy on rape anyways? Yeah. Like, isn't it kind of, you know, and we, and we already kind of made that unspoken agreement right. but, as a group. But, but by saying, that, okay, so it's understood that, like, sure, rape is bad, sexual assault is bad, 
But to have a zero tolerance policy on it now means that you have to make sure that you fully prosecute any instance of it because otherwise it'll spread. See, I don't think the zero tolerance policy is bad against a convicted rapist or a convicted sex offender. But, that, yeah, but that's it, not a zero tolerance it, policy. That's a standard policy of we found you guilty and we're going to punish you accordingly. The zero tolerance policy. So basically what we're talking about is is people prettying up language because the zero tolerance policy is against any is for any accusation. Once you're accused, you're assumed guilty. Get out of here. We don't want you. And that's an issue. I look, I know that we like to sit yeah. here. This is this is what this is what blows my mind about people who support that type of zero tolerance policy based solely on a woman's accusation is that the, that type of thinking coming from people is usually because, oh, this poor, poor woman must have suffered, and we, and we, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Well, what proof do you have? We don't need proof. She's above reproach. Women wouldn't lie about that. But yet these are the same people that they call gender and sexuality and everything else a social construct, et cetera, et cetera you're getting your cake and you're eating it too and you're doing it and you're doing it with a smile and a wink because you know you're doing it and you don't care mm -hmm. and that that infuriates me it's not that look if there are cracks in the system and people slip through that is infuriating enough when people purposely abuse the system and then turn around and smile and rub it in your face that infuriates me and I there's there's nothing you can say against it because the minute you speak up on it, you're labeled uh, some sort of men's right activist, alt-rightist, whatever the fuck they Nazi, fascist, whatever whatever word negative word is in is in vogue at the moment is what they're going to slap on you, and that is how the truth gets buried. You know, what did T. S. Eliot say? I think it was T.S. Eliot. This is how the world ends, not with a bang, but with a whimper. Mm -hmm. this, is exact, this, is how, this is exactly how, how freedom dies, by going, shh, you don't have the right to talk. Shut up, sit down. And by, us, by people just going, eh, I don't want to be labeled that. You know what? Who gives a fuck? The, the, yeah. the, the, the founding fathers of this country were terrorists to the British. All right? If, they, if the British would have won, that would have been... They would look at the colonies and the way we look at the South. You lost the war. Suck it up. Same thing. Yeah. All right. If Antifa really wanted to be useful, they wouldn't have shown up with masks looking to punch somebody. They would have shown their face to everyone, stood in front of a bunch of racists and said, this is a great country that we live in. Look at this. These people are spouting racist nonsense that goes against what most of the people in this country believe, and the police aren't coming in to beat them down and drag them away. They're not being punished for what they believe. Isn't this amazing that even idiots like this are protected in this country? But unfortunately, it's not seen that way. No. I had a, I had a conversation with If you criticize Antifa, member. then you're than your pro-Nazi. Yes. That's all it is. I had a conversation. I had a conversation with a family member who did all but pardon Antifa for everything that happened. 
and Charlottesville and, and Berkeley. And I said, how can you do that when you, I know you're not dumb. I know you're, you know, you're plugged in, you're, you're aware to use the word. I, one of the words I hate the most these days, you're woke enough to know that these are the same people that it's obnoxious and bad grammar. Sorry. That will go and basically start a riot. And if there's not anyone to counter protest, well, we're just going to start chucking, you know, bike racks through businesses, windows and, you know, burn down a Starbucks or two. Isn't it akin to the little kid standing in the middle of the room and stamping their feet and screaming and crying? Is it all just look at me, pay attention to what I'm saying? I mean, and the problem is, is that I, I, I still feel this way. If you have to cover your face due to your ideological beliefs to act upon them, then they aren't worth a shit. What are you hiding from? What are you hiding from? You either well, don't believe in them that much or yeah, what, what you said. You know, it's something that the Democrats and Republicans actually got together on and, and voted for almost uh, unanimously was for calling out uh, any kind of white power, KKK, Nazi group as a hate group. But <laughs> I'm sorry, if, you, if they get to be classified as a hate group, how come Antifa doesn't? Well, I mean, okay, let's let's. They've, <laughs> because they've they're only hating the people who deserve property. hate. Well, they even if you don't want to label them as a hate group, they've been known to destroy private property. They've incited riots. Or I'm sorry, a terrorist. Committed, group. They were they were classified as a ter- a, a domestic terrorist group. I should I, I should qualify that. It wasn't it exactly. wasn't a hate group. It was terrorist. And yeah, I I think they should be. Yeah. Do I have to do this again? Like, Just uh, get out is, my handy dictionary here. This isn't, and I'm not saying that Antifa's as bad as the Nazis. No, they're not. I think that they are some well-meaning and completely lost people who are looking for a cause and are angry about what's going on in their country. I can appreciate that. A person who uses unlawful violence and intimidation, especially against civilians in the pursuit of political aims. And Antifa. Antifa falls into that. That is the definition of terrorist if you type it into Google. That comes from the dictionary. It's the noun. Right. Their their thing is, we're going to keep showing up and punching you Nazis until you stop showing up. Until you stop expressing your freedom of speech. And let's face, look I, again. I'm not. Def, I'm not defending Nazis, neo Nazis, white power, whatever the fuck group. But I'm also understanding that they didn't all get together and lynch a black guy. Not that day. That wasn't on the agenda. You know, it's it's it's. Here's here. I can't even. First of all, I'm not even convinced that. A lot of the so-called Nazis online, because now apparently pointing out like anybody as a Nazi is a new pastime for a certain small segment of people online, and they're very vocal about it. And you know they they'll go so far as to dox them and put all their information online, and you know all that good shit. And I'm not even convinced that these people are truly Nazis, even 
conservatives, a lot of these people are just people fucking with you. I mean, when you have people like making memes of Pepe the Frog wearing a fucking SS outfit, all right, it's a joke in bad taste. I won't even try to defend the taste of the joke, but you're going to label that person a Nazi because they fucking put a ha-ha face underneath someone posting that meme? Right. You're going to ruin that person's life? You know, you know what you've done is you've given the person in the middle a side to choose. And, and it's, not, this is, it's not yours. This is, <laughs> this is, this is part of the whole postmodern, like, for lack of a better term to describe it, cultural Marxism that's going on. You, you have to choose a side. And if you don't choose a side, then you're just, you're in the way. You're seen as expendable. You're seen as your silence equals compliance. But the problem is, is that if you look at the, the, the Nazis on the right and Antifa on the left and go, you're both full of shit. Now you got two people, groups of people who are pissed at you and two groups of people who are highly motivated to fuck with you. And the people in the middle are too busy living life, trying to keep the fucking lights on, keep a roof over their head, send their kids to college, you know, do the right thing, pay their fucking taxes and be a decent, productive member of society to sit here and play these fucking games. Your average person's not going to go work an 8 to 10 to 12 hour shift, come home, deal with all the shit they got to deal with at home. Right. And then turn around and spend 8 hours online trying to track somebody down who pissed them off. But you're going to get a lot of fucking assholes on the fringes of these fucking groups who are more than willing to do that. And it's just I think it's also this I, I, there's this belief that if if the these racist organizations got together enough to try and and actually do something. I mean, it's such a small minority. I don't even know what that would mean. But let's say they try and like all get together in one city and take it over, and they're going to secede from from the rest of the, the union and have their own little racist state. Your average American is going to be the guy who, when they come marching down the street, grabs his gun and fights them. It's not. It's going to mm-hmm. be like, oh, I guess, uh, I guess the Nazis are in charge now. Okay, well, that's new. There goes the neighborhood. You know, it's not that we need Antifa to hold the line. It's not like we need this group to keep anyone safe in this country or defend anything. Like, what are you defending? I understand what you're attacking. I understand what you don't like. I don't understand what you're defending. Well, and it's also spread now from the fringes. You're starting to get people in the mainstream caught up in this shit. People who don't want anything to do with any of this are getting called out for expressing opinions that go against what someone thinks they should think. Case in point, not a big Kid Rock fan. All right? I do like some of his music, mostly his older stuff. Don't like his country phase, none of that crap. Definitely don't like his politics. I will say this. The man has pumped a lot of money into the metro Detroit area. Oh, yeah. For better or for worse. For better or for worse, he's, he's, he's backed up the fucking talk with the walk. He published our friend's book. I mean, I think you know, the, now, the only thing worse than hearing Sweet Home Alabama is a song about listening to Sweet Home Alabama. The Kid Rock, <laughs> I'm sure we are all united in the fact that the Kid Rock read like is the shit nobody's probably ever fucking heard of. 
like Kid Rock fan in, um, let's say, Little Rock, Arkansas, probably has no idea about Kid Grit Sandwiches for breakfast. I understand the internet is a thing, but... Yeah, polyfuse method? What's that? <laughs> yeah. Say, you know. Um, but no, he's opening... Joe Louis Arena is shutting down. They're opening a new arena for the Red Wings and the Pistons right. here in Detroit. And it's Little Caesars Arena. He's opening it up. I think he has five or six shows. And I think he's the perfect and, act to do that. Yes. You know, he's the type of guy, by the way, when he plays local big venues, he may, he prices his shows at 20 bucks, and he will keep adding shows until they when If a show sells out, he'll add another show the next night right. and the next night. Right. Because he wants to make sure anyone who wants to come can come for, without fucking having to, you know, skip a car, a car yeah. note and can see him. And... I don't know her name. I'm not going to lie. Rochelle Riley. Thank you. For the Detroit News or Free Press, one of the two. They're the same paper. Don't let it fool you, folks. It's the same paper since the strike oh, yeah. in the mid-90s. <laughs> yeah. yeah. In, in name only is it two different papers. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. She comes out and says that Kid Rock opening the Little Caesars Arena is a dog whistle Yes. To racist and white supremacist. Dog whistle racism. Okay. So she is now able to read people's minds, read people what's in people's hearts, and she's able to apparently hear something that only white supremacists and racists can hear. Yes, it's not outwardly racist, Aaron, but the racists can hear it. <laughs> right. Are we going to get an apology from this bitch when there are no white power rallies at this concert? By the way, by the way, cultural appropriation's thrown around. What if it was Eminem? Would you still be throwing cultural appropriation around? Or because want somebody that you like likes Eminem, would you not do that? Wait, call- I want to answer. I want to answer to that question. Well, what's funny is also in her article she mentioned that she went and saw R. Kelly recently here in Detroit. R. Kelly, who likes to fuck, piss, and sexually abuse underage girls, slave. So she has no problem with that. Her problem, mainly with Kid Rock, is that he said, fuck Colin Kaepernick for protesting a national anthem during NFL games. He can. He's allowed to. And that he, at an earlier part of his career, flew the, flew the stars and bars, which he stopped doing in 2011 before any of this controversy came up. He is a white guy who's gotten an award from the NAACP. He has a, he has a black son. Yeah, I'm sorry. If you went to see an R. Kelly concert, you have no moral ground to stand on. And can we say, can, you want to take bets on if Michael Jackson was still alive and he was opening Little Caesars Arena, there wouldn't be an article about how this child molester <laughs> doesn't need to be opening Little Caesars Arena? I mean, because, and if, let's just say R. Kelly was opening it, you wouldn't, you still wouldn't hear those articles. Not from her, at least. If Michael Jackson was still alive right now, he would be so fucking white. Millennials would be accusing him of a cultural appropriation. (laughs) I know, right? But this is, this is, this is the type of, this is the type of stuff that makes, makes me go to the doctor and say double double my, my, my blood pressure medication. And it really shouldn't, but it does because nobody seems to care unless you're 
hard to the right or hard to the left. And that's how shit like the PMRC and that's how shit like the Red Scare of the 50s and that's how shit like all that starts. It always starts on the fringes and works its way in. And the more and more this just sails over the head of Jane and John Doe American is the more and more emboldening these people get. And I'm not just talking about Rochelle Riley and her take on it. All right. She's allowed to have whatever take she wants. I'm talking about people on the right as well. See, I'm old enough to remember a time when what we're going through now was reversed, when it was the left fighting for the right to be able to fucking say what they wanted, and the right was trying to shut them down through people using the- laws and refusing and, and, and putting, and putting uh, 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 pressure on businesses not to release albums and books and movies and don't hire this actor because this actor holds extremely liberal views. This was in my lifetime, so the last 40 years. I remember the left fighting against that, and now the left is where the right was, and the right is where the left was. Yes. The same people whether- on the right who like Kid Rock now would have been protesting him when Grit Sandwiches for Breakfast came right. out, calling it obscene. No consistency. And this, is, and, you know, and this is really what I've come to. I just want honesty. I want honesty, and I want us to be as non-hypocritical as humanly possible. And when it doesn't happen, it's bad enough. When it, when people refuse to even give it, refuse first of all, refuse to give it a try, but refuse to even admit that they're lying, that they're being dishonest, that they're being hypocritical, and they don't care. That pisses me off even more, because this is not how this is not how we're going to move forward and get shit done in any way in this country it's not going to happen this is going just to divide us more and more and i don't know if you've been if you're even if if you look at it and you go i don't give a shit about any of the of the of the the gender politics the the the, the racial politics the the sexual orientation i don't care about none of that then care about this care about your fucking because i know you do care about your bank account because while they're dividing the country at the bottom here, more and more is costing you out of your pocket to be able to fucking sit here and say you live in the land of the free and home of the brave. More and more is your money being siphoned out of your fucking retirement fund into government hands. I don't know. How come we never get an itemized receipt? <laughs> I think it's, it's because it's this idea that by any means necessary is acceptable when you're right. Not understanding that everybody in human history who has done, who's tried to achieve their agenda by quote unquote any means necessary has thought that they were right, including Hitler. Hitler didn't sit back and go, this is really going to fuck over a lot of people in the world. I'm going to love it. He thought he was doing the right thing. As inconceivable as that sounds. And so he was willing to use any means necessary. Well, you know, I think it's also funny that we look at things like the Holocaust and people shit themselves over six million dead. Rightfully so. But we also fucking sit here and we have college and high school students preaching complete 
early 20th century style communism and they ignore the fact that how many people died under communist regimes 100 million yeah but did you ever see the bill burr routine when he talks about like why is hitler the line like no one ever brings up stalin he's like if no you want to go up mao yeah he's like, if you want to go by the numbers stalin had like 20 30 million people i mean it, and yeah good old chairman mao you know and don't look i think i've established on this sh- on this show over you know three years that I don't think any one pure political ideology is the way to go. <clears throat> there does need to be a, 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 a gumbo of them. We need to cherry pick the best parts from all of them and try to fit them together. And that's that's the trial and error of America. If it doesn't work, we throw it away and we try it again. All right. I mean, that's what that's what we did to 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 expand the, this country anyways. We'll just try again a little farther out west. I mean, that's, how, that's, that's, that's the theory of this country. And now it's like you have, you either have to be hardcore, love it or leave it, send your kids off to die in the opium fields in Afghanistan to protect big pharma's interest. But you don't, but that's not what, but that's not what you talk about. You just stick them up on the fucking, you know, VFW fucking board of heroes and talk about their sacrifice and buy them a beer when they come home American or you got to be I hate America I wish it would fall fuck America we need to go full on communist and it's like once again stop acting like there's only two choices and I, I, I'm pleading with anyone listening who goes you know what Rich get off this shit no one cares no one cares okay these are just these are just tiny percentages of people in this country okay fine then 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 Chalk it up to that. Okay, I'll take that criticism. Get off the internet, Rich. Okay, fine. But while, once again, God damn it, while they're dividing us, look at the difference between 20, 30, 40 years ago on what you, what, how, how much you had to work, how much you could save for your retirement, what was going to be there for you when, reti- when you retired, and nowadays. Yeah. And if, you need, and if you need any proof that I'm not being partisan in this... Look at the Affordable Care Act. The only way the Affordable Care Act works for you is if you are dirt poor. That's it. Yep. You ha- you now have a tax on being alive and a citizen of this country above income tax. They found a way to tax people who don't even or can't even work. So take it for what you will. Go ahead and keep writing it off. Because everybody who fucking... Everybody who called it in the early 80s all got laughed at. Reaganomics, not going to work. People in his own administration, this isn't going to work. When people in the Reagan administration were calling trickle-down economics, voodoo economics, because that's what it was going to take to get it to work, and they were being laughed at, 40 years later, this is what we're looking at. So, so keep it up. Keep laughing. Keep saying that you know better than everybody else. Because when you go for that Social Security, when you go to get that 401k, when you go to cash out that IRA and they take 90% of it in taxes, what are you going to do? You going to go live with your kids? What about me? I didn't make any more people. I'm just fucked. Start saving now. Hey, hit the donate button. Hey. <laughs> ChristopherMedia.net, do that. Withdraw my 401k. Fuck it. I mean, because that's really, 
really, if you want to get down to it, I really do think that this is what's going on. I, and I don't think it's a government conspiracy to split us up. I think they're just looking to go and look at these idiots fucking dividing each other. It just makes it easier for us to do what we got to do. Yep. They're not paying attention to us. So, you know, hey, but whatever, you know, you like... You, you like to pundit on Fox News. You think you're getting both sides of the story. You have no idea what the fairness document is, f- f- fairness, fairness doctrine was. You know, I just talked to a college student, had no idea what the, the Southern strategy or the fairness doctrine was. How do you get out of high school and not know those two things? How do you get out of high school and not know what, what the Constitution says? How do you get out of high school and think if we impeach Trump that, that Hillary becomes president? <laughs> well, because our education system, you know, it's all testing based and if you remember the date that something was signed or happened well then you must understand it completely moving on <sighs> well i it, it's just it, it's it's sad and it's scary and it's just i mean really it is preventable there's something we there's something we could all do about it just be a little pay a little bit more attention you know, be a little, plug in just a little bit. Right. I'm not saying you got to be obsessed with it. I'm not saying you got to drive off everybody by talking about the shit constantly. God knows, I've in the last month, I've come very close to burnout that made me fucking want to walk away from this show for the nine months that I did. And I've just had to pull back on the reins and go, fuck it, I'm just going to throw it out there. I'm going to say my piece. And I'm going to let it lay there like a fucking pierogi on the plate. You don't want it, don't eat it. But don't look <laughs> at me and, But don't look at me and say you're hungry 30 minutes from now. I offered you some. Right. Well, it's like anything. You've got to find a balance. You know, if you're just taking in every piece of information and, and constantly getting outraged by everything, you're just going to burn yourself out. But on the other hand, if you just get disgusted at every story that you read and go, well, I'm just not going to read this shit anymore. Well, guess what? The people in power won and they're going to stay in power. Because you did exactly what they wanted you to do. Stop paying attention. A lot of this, a lot of the lies that come out of the mouths of Republicans and particularly Trump aren't done because they think anyone's actually going to believe what they have to say. They're done just to muddy up the, the waters and make it murky enough so that nobody, everybody's frustrated with it. So like everybody lies. So what can you do? The system's fucked, and I'm I'm done with it. Well, I mean, it's it's the okay, little things. Go ahead. Give, give up your piece of this democracy if that's what you want to do. But don't complain to me when you know, shit doesn't go your way anymore. You know, it's little things. It's like I have a coworker who came to me and said, do you understand how much lobbyists make? And I said, yeah. And she goes, I can't believe that. Like, not the money they pass on to the politicians, what the lobbyists themselves make. I said, yeah, and that's what gets laws passed in this country. The will of the people is gone. It is the money that gets passed through the lobbyists to the politicians that decide how they're going to vote on, on on what issue. So let's start with that. Like Chris always says, get money out of politics. That's the ultimate goal. Yeah. Oh, well, you do too. Yeah, you do too. I mean, I think we all agree on that, but I think that's the ultimate goal. The first goal is to get lobbyists out of the fucking political process as much as possible or to limit them to to the point where they're ineffective. Well, I think, I don't know. 
you know, lobbyists aren't aren't completely evil or completely useless. The way it's, they are now, it's, the way it's the the amount of power that we've given over to lobbyists, and this comes from the amount of power that we've given over to companies, which stems from our laziness, frankly. You know, ever, people like to complain about all oh, these big corporations that are fucking me over and don't give a shit about the little guy and have these horrible policies that they like to push or whatever it may be, but don't see their own participation in it when it comes to where they choose to spend their money. I mean, there's, there's certain things where that, I mean, when it comes to pharmaceutical companies are one of the, the most egregious uh, groups of people when it comes to the way that they uh, throw their money around with, with lobbyists and everything. But, and that's not such a cut and dry thing. You can't just go, okay, well, I'm not going to, you know, support Merck. Like if Merck makes the medicine that you need to improve your life, well, you're going to fucking support Merck. That's kind of a different situation. But if if you're really concerned about how just about any other company that just makes their money based on uh, on capitalism and not complete control over over something like pharmaceutical companies do. Where did they get all that money from? From all the people that are buying their shit. So if you don't want Walmart to have a say in the laws that control you, stop shopping at Walmart. I don't care how low their fucking prices are. If shopping at Walmart compared to pick a store that has all the same shit, if, if that's, if that's ca- going to break you... If that's going to cause you to lose your house or be homeless, you got bigger problems, man. But you how got do you way, do that with you got things? way bigger problems. But how do you stop shopping at Walmart, so to speak, with the uh, in situations like what, prescription drugs? Well, that's what I'm saying. It doesn't. It doesn't apply. To, I was. I was. I brought up prescription drugs to point it out as an example of where this doesn't apply. There, you know. Prescription drug companies are so protected because there's this idea that that we need them to to produce these drugs that you can't really sh- you can't vote with your dollar when it comes to issues like that. But the, but there's plenty of other examples where where we've given over our money to companies that don't give a shit about us. Now, look, I guess don't give a shit is the wrong thing. Companies aren't entities and they can't or shouldn't give a shit about you. But it is a reciprocal relationship that goes beyond just like, hey, this company makes something and I want to buy it. And in a day day where it only takes five minutes of Google searches to figure out what this, what, whatever company it is that you want to support or don't want to support is, is actually like. It's just laziness. We have the information. We have the power now to control these things in ways that we didn't have in the past. Well, I mean, it is. It, it, the truth is, is that if you, if you really want to make an impact, you're going to have to put some work into it. There's yeah. nothing that's going to come. There's no, but it's, it's not. Na- it's not back-breaking, life-changing, bank-breaking work. It's just a little bit of work. It's less work no, than right. writing out a sign and going to DC and marching somewhere. 
I, I, I'd say if you want to do something said, about money and politics, you can start with the source of the money because that's your money. You, you gave it to now. a shitty corporation that paid a shitty lobbyist to give that money to a shitty politician. And none of those groups or people represent your beliefs are fighting for you in any, in, in any respect. And, and, and when I, when I trying to think how to put this, when I say it's going to take work, what's sad is I think there's people that would rather take the time to buy a placard, buy a two by four and a, and a staple gun, pack of markers, make a sign, drive somewhere and, and protest then would rather sit down and do the research on, okay, where's the alternative? Oh, wait a minute, I got to drive 20 minutes one way to the alternative, but this is right there. So now, now I'm not only spending more money on this, but I'm having to spend more gas to get to it, et cetera, et cetera. That's where the work comes in. You have to decide how much is it worth to you. I mean, you can look at it in the short term. And say, right now I'm putting more money in my pocket. And there are periods of time. Look, if you are working poor, if you are poor, all right, by all means, don't put yourself on the street trying to make a fucking point. No, right. No, no, all right. I agree. But if you if you have the means to, it just requires things like, oh, I'm going to have to buy my own coffee instead of going to Starbucks every morning and at lunchtime. Then fucking suck it up. Drink some fucking, you know, drink some store-bought coffee. I I mean, if it, I, you know, if it's a matter between do I eat out at lunchtime at work or off the roach coach or do I pack a lunch? Pack a lunch, you know? I mean, it, yes, it takes effort. You got to plan ahead, et cetera, et cetera. It's a pain in the ass. I'm a single guy. I understand all that. Yeah. All right? But when I do, when I do take the steps, it's so much fucking better. My, I look at my bank account at the end of the week and go, Oh, there's a lot more in there than I thought there would be. Well, yeah, because I'm not spending it on bullshit that I normally would because I don't have time. Aaron, you touched on this before. What do you mean you don't have time? You were, I, look, I'm single and I'm 40. My kid is grown. I live alone. I have a cat. What's my time consist of? Go to work, come home, and do what the fuck I want. My time is my own. Right. How do I not have time? I've never met a person no. that doesn't have time for anything, that, that has... So much going on in their life. They're like, I'd really like to do X or do blah or accomplish this, but I don't have the time. Who's got it's literally just, it's not, it's in my mind, it's planners. not your priority is what they mean. Exactly. But they don't want to say that because it makes them, it points out the fact that they are making a decision. Look, I'm not judging. You know, you'd really like to be great at playing guitar but when it comes to at the end of the day, I get home from work, eat my dinner, and I just want to fucking watch TV. That's fine. There's no judgment there. But I don't want to hear about how you don't have the time to accomplish the things that you want to do that will enrich your life. And you want to tell me about the Netflix show that you binge watched. Because those are opposing thoughts. Like, you had a choice to watch four hours of television or work towards something that would enrich your life. I budget my time so I can do both. <laughs> you know, Damn right. do I I'd like to I'd like to be I wish I was really good at piano. I would love to be to actually play like all styles of piano. I'm really bad at it. 
and I keep plunking away and I don't spend enough time. I spend more time than I have in the past on it. I'm getting better. Sure, if I came home and that's all I was focused on and I didn't have a television, I'd probably kick ass at, at piano. But look, this is the balance that I've found, okay? I'm not going to get good enough at piano so that I can tour the world. I just want to be good enough at piano because it's fun and I get something out of it. So sometimes I choose to squander my time watching too much TV, buying and reading too many comic books. I mean, you do you do have to have... you A person has to have downtime, I believe. It's an extremely small percentage of the population, the person that is just constantly self-driven and seems to never exhaust their energy. But most of us need things to recharge ourselves. I'm not just talking about sleep. You know, you, you have to have ways to You're, decompress. Yeah, the brain can't run a million miles a minute all the time. It's exhausting. Yeah. So, I don't know. I I don't... I don't mean it as a judgment of others. It's just not a good excuse. You know, to say, I'd like to be better at piano, but I don't have the time. Bullshit. I'd like to be better at piano, but it's just not a big enough priority for me right now. Perfectly valid. No judgment. Are you lazy, non-prioritizing fucks? That's what we're getting at. Well, I mean, it... it (sighs) It's valid, man. I mean, I found myself without, you know, okay, I'm like, all right, I got to take a break. I got to, I'm not going to disconnect, but I have to, I have to push away from the nonsense mm-hmm. and I have to fill my time with something else. So I pick, you know, I pick my guitar back up and was, you know, was putting in an hour, two hours a day for the last week. I haven't done that in years. I haven't done that since I was playing music, trying to make a living doing it. And it was my job. Right. So I woke up every day and played every day. Even if I didn't come up with anything, it was just to keep my chops up and keep, you know, keep muscle memory and everything else. And yeah, it's all it took was me going, you know, do I really want to plunk around on online reading an article on, you know, subject this subject and then read this side's take on it and this side's take on it and then go in the comment section and see what the common man says, which the common man really needs to get spell check and, you know, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. And it's like, I, can I do something constructive? Cause I get it, man. You feel like you're spinning your wheels and you're like, I'm not making any forward progress. And sometimes you just need to just take a break and do something different and then come back with, with fresh eyes, you know? Because if you, this is something that I learned working security and with private investigators. When you look at a situation, note, observe everything, admire nothing. Have soft eyes. See everything. Don't look so hard at any one thing that you miss everything else around it. You know, so when you do that, you find yourself, you know, able to. And I think that so many of us in life and day to day, we don't do that anymore. We come home and we put on the news that, you know, we know the slant we're going to get. We know the side we're going to, we're going to, you know, that what, what our echo chamber is going to say. Just you know? someone to agree with us. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I want to, yeah, information that won't directly challenge me. You know, and I think that's a reflection 
I mean, that's that's once again from the top down that happens because that happened with the death of the fairness doctrine, and then you know you see debate get taken out of high schools. You know, and I was just explaining to my friend who you know who's who's going off to college and starting college. I said, you know, debate was good because you didn't get to choose what side of the issue you debated. You were told what side you were going to debate. So you had to study it and you had to understand it. And while that sounds counterintuitive, like let's say if you know you were pro-choice and you had to debate from the pro-life angle, I said what it really taught you to do was to understand where the other people are coming from and how to also dissect their argument. Right, because in debate, you don't go in with your side. You're presented an argument and you're assigned a side. It doesn't matter what you personally believe. You've got to come up with an argument for to argue your side of it. And the easier you can you can dissect the other person's argument. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I don't mean that in a, okay, I got you. Now I you know I got the headshot here way. I mean it in a way of be able to understand where they're coming from. Maybe not empathize with it, but at least go, okay, I get where you're coming from here, but have you thought about this and this and how it relates to how you, you know, feel about this or or your point on this? That's a lost art. I mean, I think in general, just, I, you know, I, at work, it's funny. The, some of the people I, I talk to the most seem like they're starved for conversation because it's a lost art. You know, I have people that say, oh, thank God I'm working with you tonight. And I go, why? Because I hate working with so-and-so. Why? Because there's no conversation. They finger fuck their phone and, you know, they don't, you know, how you, how you work eight hours with two people in a situation and no, and you hardly say five words to each other. I don't get that. And it's not like it's, it's labor intensive work to where you can't talk. You know, you're not, yeah. you're not hauling rocks. You're not picking cotton. You know, you're not, you know, digging ditches. So I, I, you know, I, I, I kind of think all of this adds into, to what I was, you know, saying. We, we need a lot more of, perspective on things looking at things going no it's not just two sides in fact the 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 fallacy of two sides is just that that's that's what we're being sold it's not msnbc or fox you know it's not left or right and take it in you know and if your opinion is different this is something that we really got to get over in this country just because someone has a different political opinion than you doesn't make them the enemy and i'm talking it used to be Maybe if someone was a hardcore Republican and a hardcore Democrat, they couldn't be friends. But now it's something as simple as immigration. Well, I feel that, you know, there should be open borders. I don't. These two people hate each other. To friend each other on Facebook, never talk to each other again. What the fuck is that? Is it how adults handle situations? That's To me, that's what 40-year-old adolescents do. I, you know, if, I can, if, you, if you're not going to play the game I want you to play, I'm taking my ball and I'm going home. So... You know, take it for what it's worth. Your mileage may vary. Correct. Well, I'm I'm actually running out of time because I still need to edit tomorrow's Weedsman podcast. <laughs> All right. <laughs> speaking of speaking of not having enough time, I didn't have enough time today to get everything done that I wanted to do. I'm already going to be losing some I, sleep. Knew I shouldn't have jerked off to that second porno. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, then I will just, uh, hey, everybody, think. Well, sorry, I just put a joint out. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Thank you, everybody, who has been listening, downloading. Um, you're sharing the show. Uh, I see the numbers every month's bigger than the last one. So thank you for that. Uh, make sure uh, you uh, follow us on Twitter at UnregimentedPod. Uh, email the show, Unregimented at ChristopherMedia.net. We drop these bitches every Saturday. If you like it, tell a friend. We will see you next week. All right. Later, guys. Thanks for listening. See you later. If you like this show, please tell a friend. Please follow us on Twitter and like and share us on Facebook by searching for Christopher Media. You can subscribe to all ChristopherMedia.net shows for free on ChristopherMedia.net. Please make sure to rate and comment on all your favorite Christopher Media shows. Thank you in advance for supporting Christopher Media by clicking on the PayPal button and by clicking through to all the sponsors who support ChristopherMedia.net. Thank you for visiting ChristopherMedia.net. And thank you for listening. Thank you for visiting ChristopherMedia.net.